Barton is back, and we are back. Zach has returned. This is the Orion Podcast, and I'm Chad Brock. That's Zach Bailiff. He's in case you didn't hear him. We're going live. up everybody welcome back welcome back mr bailiff how was the hunt man it was good we didn't come home empty-handed that's good man freezer the freezer is now semi-full i will say semi-full uh we were shooting for eight and a half days basically um and i shot a cow in the morning of day eight so at that point, it was uh, anything legal. It's brown us down. So, a cow tastes way better than a tag. I'll tell you that. Man, and it's it's still a gratifying feeling, regardless. Yeah, I've the pack. I've had to eat that tag too many times, and the opportunity to not come home empty-handed is is way better. So, it was it was good. It was it was tough. Um, the elk were super quiet. First area we went into was a pretty big buy-in really, uh, it was a five and a half mile back to where we set camp and we spent three, uh, two and three quarter days in there basically, um, and ended up kind of burning four total, but there just was no fresh or recent sign at all. Like the elk were in there. Um, it was almost like they had moved out about a three weeks prior or so. Um, so we decided to cut our losses and get out of there and try a new spot that a buddy of ours out there kind of gave us some info on and excuse me. Um, the first morning it was, you know, we had elk all around us. I think we had five or six bugling all around us, probably within three or 400 yards. Um, so there was high hopes right off the bat. The winds were probably 15 to 20 mile an hour sustained with gusts over 30. And it just, it was a challenging few days. We didn't see an elk until randomly Friday afternoon. Evan and I were sitting there kind of chilling, eating some snacks. Had been sitting down for a while, trying to game plan about what we were going to do for the rest of the afternoon and turned around. His phone had just died and he looked over his shoulder and there was a a little six point bull standing there looking right at us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we had the wind and he, he had no idea what we were. He just kind of, early walked off and we came to full draw on him twice and we just couldn't get him to stop um mm-hmm. took off for a walk that afternoon and nick had come in and was sitting probably 50 yards below where we saw that bull 
and he had a, a really good 340 bull walk by him. He couldn't get him to stop, and then the bull ended up getting his win, and he moved out and onto the private. Uh, and then a little bit after that, Evan and I kind of, we had ran onto another hunter, and we're standing there kind of conversing with him a little bit and getting to know him and <clears throat> look over my shoulder as one of them was putting their bow down or something, and here come a really nice six-point bull, and Evan ended up getting an arrow in him, but it was a little bit lower and, and slightly further back than we originally thought. Um, we lost blood late that night. Went into a blind situation the next morning, which is when I shot my cow. And then after we got her out, which was the shortest pack out ever, um, we went back in looking for blood on his bull. We did find a fresh bed, blood that was probably three to four hours old. And then it kind of dried up on us in about another 150 to 200 yards. So it looks like that bull probably was okay. He made it. Um, they're incredibly tough. And where we think the shot actually impacted he actually missed the vitals. He was behind the heart and below the lungs. And there's kind of a dead zone there where there's really nothing there. Um, it's low enough that they'll bleed decent until they get up and get moving. And then the organs kind of close up the holes and they clot mm -hmm. up and, and that's that. But he was probably sore for a few days, but that bull's just fine. There you go. Well, congratulations on your harvest this year. Yeah. Um, it's a it's an accomplishment anytime you go out to a new area and especially different state to, to make it happen man that's awesome so congratulations to you on that we got a podcast to do you're back we're working it's podcast night we've got us a, we've got us a new guest tonight tv show famous guest so we're moving up in the world for all you listeners out there we've got tv show famous guest tonight so without further ado let's let's introduce the basquatch hunter Mr. Mike, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, thanks for having me on here. I'm really excited uh, to be on here. I like how uh, diverse your podcast is, and I definitely think you went a little bit over the top with that uh, TV show celebrity. Introduction there. That's a higher accolade than either of us have. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, what's funny is people uh, ask me, like when I do all these kids' events, they'll be like, hey, are you famous? And I'm like, People know me in very small groups. I'm like, if I go to the right place at the right time, someone will know me. I'm like, that's a, that's about it. So it's far from famous. Um, I always say I like to be well known, not famous. So yeah. fame or being well known in general is a very compartmentalized thing these days. True. So many avenues. Yeah. For sure. So, Mike, let's let's jump right into this thing. We've only got an hour with you, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into everything get into the details how it started where it's going and and all that fun um but one of the questions that we typically ask every guest on the orion podcast is you know how did you get started what was your what was your humble beginnings in the outdoors how did the how did the the love for being outside find you uh can i do you want a long answer can i give you a long answer oh you did Wait, i got i got time <laughs> okay i just gotta do the pre-warning uh so I started fishing when I was, uh, my earliest memory is probably about five, six years old. And it was something I would do, um, you know, we go to family reunions. My parents would have, uh, you know, their boat on a lake somewhere. Uh, so we have like the docks to fish off of. Like anytime I was like, it had the opportunity, I would fish. Now my dad didn't fish. My my sister doesn't fish. Like 
nobody in my family fishes. None of my friends really fished either, but it was something I could do by myself. So it's something I didn't need anybody mm -hmm. else for. It was kind of like my escape from everything because you know how like when you fish, it's like, it's almost like overstimulation. Like you're so hyper-focused that like mm -hmm. there could be a car crash in the background and you couldn't, you might miss it. You know what I mean? So I love that aspect of it. I love how fishing has pulled me out of everything and I didn't need anybody else to count on or rely on. Um, so when I was a kid, I would just always fish and it, it just, and it wasn't ever about catching fish. Like I can't tell you one memorable fish that I've ever caught before I was an adult. Um, but mm. I can tell you where I fished, but I can't tell you what I caught because it never mattered. And, uh, you know, getting a little bit older, I, I did a lot of marketing, a lot of sales, um, a lot of promotional marketing, just a lot of things that kind of geared me towards promoting myself or promoting brands or, you know, the, the whole aspect of it. So uh, I, I had a marketing job for 13 years and I was lucky enough to do marketing for some of the biggest names in fishing, um, you know, logo designs, apparel, distribution, like, you know, all this cool stuff. So I started asking questions and I was like, hey, like, must be nice. You know, everyone says that it must be nice. Like, I want to fish for a living. Oh, yeah. And I remember uh, a really famous guy that goes by three initials, we'll leave unnamed here, but uh, he, uh, he stopped me one day and he's like, you know, I lose more than I win. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but you got this boat, you got this truck, I'm like, all this gear, like everyone knows you have mm -hmm. all this stuff. And, and we had like a really cool conversation about how, you know, tournament winnings aren't a living. That's that's in right. no way could you ever make a living off tournament winnings. It just doesn't exist. Um, you know, Tiger Woods loses more tournaments than he wins even. So nobody, mm -hmm. nobody wins more than they lose. Nobody. Uh, so he explained to me how like merchandising and marketing and promoting yourself differently and finding ways to do things differently and just always finding new avenues to market and promote like everything you do off the water was the important part. And I remember like, it, was, it sounds weird, but like, I remember what it was. I remember what day it was. It was 2013. Uh, we were at a Detroit lions charity fishing event. And mm -hmm. for some reason, when he said that to me, it hit me the next day. I, uh, I wouldn't start looking at new bass boats and I was like, all right, I'm taking this more seriously. Like it just motivated, it sparked me for some reason. Um, right. So got a new bass boat, um, nothing special. It was like a 1990 quantum boat with like a 50 horsepower motor on the back, but it was my first actual bass boat. So I was really excited. And uh, I started doing tournaments locally. I started like fishing almost every day. I'd be out on the boat and, um, mm -hmm. you know, me and my ex-wife would travel the country and just fish every lake we could. And then, uh, you know, fast forward uh, two, two and a half years or so, and uh, I kept on breaking props off in this one lake by my house, like lower units. Um, I would just break everything, uh, prop shafts, like everything, I, like once every three months and the same lake. And I was just trying to get to these certain areas and there was tree stumps everywhere. So I was like, man, there's got to be another way to get back there. Like there's got to be a way. And uh, so I started like Googling stuff, YouTube and stuff. And of course I saw Hobies, I saw uh, Jackson's, I saw Wilderness, I saw like all these kayaks that I've never heard of. Um, and I was like, man, these like, these are fishing kayaks, but all they have is rod holders. Like I couldn't, I didn't know the difference. So one of my buddies called me up and he goes, Hey, there's this kayak shop, but it's like an hour away. They have these kayaks, go look at them. Um, you know, you're going to want, uh, like, I think it was wilderness as we told me to go get, cause that's what he had. And, uh, right. I was like, and you know how the kayak world works, whatever you have is what you tell everybody to get. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I looked up this dealer and I was like, Oh, I'm going to go there. So I'm looking at this kayak. And I was like, man, this thing is cool. It was so expensive. That was like 1800 bucks. And I was like, man, it's just like, it's a kayak. Like, this is crazy to me. Like, that's, that's how much it costs to rebuild my motor. So I was like, that's, that's a lot of money. And then they had this brand there um, that I've never heard of or seen. And I sat in it and I was like, this is it. Like a brand I never heard of. It wasn't a big brand. 
Um, I sit down in it and I was like, this feels like a bass boat. I want to get on the water, try this out. Two weeks later, right. I saw my bass boat. <laughs> so um, I got on the kayak and I saw where the kayak could take me. I caught some of the biggest fish I've ever caught as an adult um, in that one area that my bass boat wouldn't go. And I got so obsessed with that feeling so quick um, where I started going on Facebook, moved up for tournaments. And, and mm-hmm. the closest one I found was two hours away. I did my first event. I flipped over, lost all my gear. Uh, oh, everyone man. that was there, all strangers, they all gave me clothes, fishing rods, uh, a battery for my fish finder that fell out, um, tackle. They like all these strangers from all these crazy different age groups from like 18 to 50. Like, People just like mm-hmm. flocked to me and said, oh, here it's hypothermic water. Here's a towel. Hey, do you need a sweatshirt tomorrow? Or like, it was a weird, like, right. it, like, I don't know if you ever, do you ever bass boat fish or anything? Have you ever been in that world? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. If you, if you sink your bass boat, you'll be lucky if someone comes to help you. You know what I mean? Like bass boat, it, yeah. like, I never felt that, like I got picked on for having not a good enough bass boat. You know, like I was like, oh, 50 horse mm-hmm. motor. It's, it's cute. I'm like, you guys are jerks. Like <laughs> who cares? So, uh, the fact that these kayak and these kayak fishermen were just like take clothes take everything and i got seventh place in that tournament and I, and I was so blown away by the end of the day i i went there knowing nobody i lost everything in that tournament i left there mm-hmm. with like 25 new friends um nice something sparked on me again where i was like this is one of the coolest things and, and you know uh I, I battle i'm pretty open about this stuff too but i battle depression and anxiety i've always have uh since i was really mm-hmm. really young um, like it started with like night terrors as a young child and then it just grew into like anxiety attacks and all this stuff. It was weird how like kayak fishing, not bass boat fishing, not fishing on the shoreline. For some reason, kayak fishing was so stimulating and it was just so much fun. And I was like, I can't imagine anything could affect me in the water. Like I just, I can't imagine that like I could catch no fish and I'm like going to these weird canals that boats can never go into. And there's like ducks swimming next to me and deer drinking water in front of them. like this is the most amazing experience i've ever had uh so getting to the end of my my long story here uh i i was like i need to share this like i need everyone to know this exists and i was like i've yeah. never done youtube before um you know i i've done um professional and semi-professional sports in the past and i was trying to find ways to market like how i used to market but facebook was mm-hmm. like a big thing now and youtube's a big thing now so i was like I don't know how to do this stuff. So I started a YouTube channel, came up with a brand name um, based off a joke me and my buddy had about um, finding Sasquatches and stuff. And uh, I started the Basquatch brand and it was crazy. Like six months in, I was reaching out to the biggest names in fishing, the biggest brands. And I was like, hey, I want to work with you guys. And they were, they took me so seriously because I knew the jargon, I knew the lingo, like I knew what to say. Right. It looked at my YouTube channel. I'll never forget this. So uh, Austin Canoe and Kayak. Uh, when they were around, they were one of the biggest paddleboard retailers. I talked to the marketing director there and I was like, Hey, I really want to work with you. The guy was like, so sold on my, my, what I was doing because I, I sold it really well. But then when he got to the numbers, he goes, you have seven videos on YouTube. You have 36 <laughs> subscribers. <laughs> like I'm, I'll never forget the tone of his voice. Me and him are really good friends to this day. He's actually the marketing director for another brand that I work with. Um, and it, we still laugh about that. Cause I'm like, dude, what are the odds? Like you didn't laugh at me. You didn't like hang up on me. You, you just said, okay, well, I didn't expect you're like, you're starting. Like you just start. I didn't expect that. I thought you were already like there. And I was like, no, but this is where I'm going to be. And he's like, well, get back to me when you get closer to there or whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. And then I started getting like this crazy motivation where I was like that, that no made me realize that I 
almost had a yes. You know what I mean? So I started yeah, reaching yeah. out to like, I started reaching out to like all these brands that I already had that I loved and I was just pushing them on YouTube, pushing them on Facebook. And to the point where when I reached out to them, they knew who I was. They're like, oh yeah, we've seen you. Mm -hmm. like, we don't know who you are or why you're going crazy on social media. We never heard of you until four days ago, but you post every single day and like, holy crap. Um, and then uh, the funniest call and slash one of the best calls of my career, my kayak sponsor called me up or uh, they weren't my sponsor at the time, obviously. And the guy that runs the team said, uh, and I didn't know what pro staff was. I didn't know what like right. teams were. I had no, I, I have no idea how this stuff works yet. And uh, these, this guy goes, I don't know what to do with you. He goes, we either need to tell you to stop because you're doing too much or we need to bring you on board. And I was like, okay, like, I, I don't know how to take that. He's like, you're doing, you're posting every day. You're tagging our brand. You're doing videos. You're doing content. Like you're showing our stuff. So no one does that. Like right. no one at the time was doing that with them. So, or in the kayak industry in general. So they were like, we either need to like distance from you or bring you in. And I don't know what to do yet. So he's like, what do you think? And I told him my, my whole spiel of what I want to do one day and how I want to build it. Uh, they not only brought me on the team, but I was like their first paid angler. Um, and then my accessory sponsor came on a week later, same thing. I was the first guy they paid and it was my first paid sponsor as well. So I was just like, this is amazing. I was making enough to be able to quit my day job. Um, not really make a living, but quit my day job and just survive. Um, and I did it with no notice. I, I called the marketing office I worked with, uh, called the partner I worked with, and I was like, hey, I'm barely ever at work. I'm on the water every day. You know that already. Um, I think it's time. And he goes, we prepared for this. We knew it was going to happen. Like, it was bound to happen. And uh, it's been seven years now, and I've been doing this full time. And every single year since the day I quit my job, I kind of forced myself to be at a higher level than I was here before to make sure that I don't like let myself down for taking that risk because that was such a stupid, crazy risk I took. Um, so every year I have to like, I, I, I have no complacent years. There's no year that is the same as the year before in growth or in anything I'm doing. I'm adding on more like, you know, side quests every single month pretty much. So it's, it's been an incredible ride. Like very similar stories, I think with me and Zach and kind of, kind of have the same background really. Um, with the way everything's worked it's just you know you put yourself out there and you keep trying you keep going you keep throwing and i think that's a, that's a great testament to you know if you do it right and you do it well and you keep it clean people will find you man yep well not only will they find you but i think my biggest um my biggest uh i don't know if you call it an asset but the biggest thing i have that draws people into my brand is that i've kept it the same the same way since day one. Like it wasn't about doing it right even. It was like I made a lot of mistakes and done a lot of things wrong. But I I tried being as open, as authentic as I could from day one. That way mm -hmm. people could get to know me really quick. And it did two things. It revealed a lot of haters immediately because I started coming out so strong and I was just like, here's who I am. I had no I had no holding back. Like you know, I would have serious talks about like my mental health and serious talks about my marriage and serious talk like I would just be an open book. And it, like I said, two things, people would be like, oh, I can't stand this guy. Um, like he's just coming off too strong or I run people the wrong way or B, they'd be like, oh my gosh, I can relate to this guy. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm fishing or what I'm doing, they're going to relate to me. Then they see what I'm doing and go, hey, well, that's cool too. So I think that's the best thing. And, and that was, that was something I've always done with every career I've done, but it was also based on advice from a guy that I considered a huge mentor of mine who got me started in this industry. Um, gave me a lot of really good advice and pointers in the beginning. And, uh, he told me from the beginning, he goes, 
you have a personality, whether people like it or not, he goes, it's your job to show it. He goes, that's it. You know, don't try to like, don't do clickbait stuff. Don't go over the top. Like don't, don't fake things at all. Just be real. He's like, as long as you have a personality, you'll, you know, it's, it's just like anything. You'll attract some things and you'll push some things away. It is what it is. Now talking about your, um, your intro into the kayak tournament fishing world and all that. I mean, what did that tell you right away and, and how have you seen it grow? But let's talk a little bit about the kayak fishing culture. Um, what does that mean to you? Um, and how have you seen it develop over all these years and where do you think it's at today? Uh, that's a great question, actually. Uh, that's actually a really good question. So to, st to start with the kayak culture, because I think that's a really important thing. That's, that's what drew me into doing this for a living. Um, you know, that culture I talked about where people are genuinely concerned about each other, um, which, you know, I did professional mixed martial arts uh, for many, many years. There was a lot of friendships, but there was never that, everyone was out for themselves. Like it wasn't a team sport, you know what I mean? So like, it wasn't mm -hmm. like a very like close knit community. We all knew each other, but like it wasn't friendly. Um, and then uh, I've been in music my entire life. The music industry is very opposite as well. Um, everyone's competition with each other. I know, like no one wants to like, you know, give anything up kind of thing. You're all fighting for a spot. Then I got into bass boat fishing, and that was one of the biggest eye openers of how people really were to each other. <laughs> like there was some ruthless, like it, bass boat world is just a different level. The culture of kayak fishing, just the camaraderie. It's so overused that word, but it's so true. It's like it's almost like what I would assume. I've never been in the military, but I've worked with so many veterans on episodes and shows, and they always talk about the brotherhood and that that feeling of like everyone's got each other's back. I feel like kayak fishing is very similar to that. And, and I feel like that's how it started. I feel like that was like, that was like the outcast of the fishing world, you know, was the kayak guys starting out, you know, it was a very young sport. It's still a pretty young sport. Um, but I also think it's, it's, it's grown. So a lot of these brands, I feel like jumped on board on this YouTube boom about five, six years ago where they were just reaching for influencers. You know, that's when a lot of the podcasts started popping up from everybody just trying to like, everyone was trying to get a foothold in this new thing. And I feel like that changed the culture a little bit. To it, it brought a lot of haters out, a lot of trolls out. It brought a lot of people who didn't like people succeeding. And, and that's what always happens in any any industry, any world. Oh, yeah. As soon as someone climbs a ladder, there's two types of people. One that'll pull your ankles or pull you back down so you can be on their level. Or B, they're going to climb the ladder and help push you up it so you guys can all grow together. Mm -hmm. um, once that sport started doing that evolution, um, I would say about 2018-ish is when I noticed it, 2017. Uh, I felt like you started separating those two types of people in the sport because it was no longer like we're all in this together. It was like, wait, now these people are rising up. Like there's some people that are like rising up in the sport and I'm down here and I don't feel comfortable with it. So I'm going to try to pull this guy, you know? Um, right. So the culture changed and I feel like today there's still that polarity where we have, there's some negativity to some haters. There's some people in the industry that have voices in the industry. Um, that are good at some things that they do, but they're good at they're not good at some other things that they do as well. Um, and I feel like there's a, a turning point we've been at where if you've noticed a lot of the kayak brands, uh, there's the fishing brands in general, but in the kayak sport alone, a lot of the brands have taken steps backwards as far as like calming down marketing, pulling back from commitments. Um, you know, sales are slowing down and the, like there's like that that bubble is like kind of leveling out a little bit right now. I feel like I feel like that's making the culture take a breath you know what i mean yeah what, what i, I think that's a, that's a very good statement man 
Yeah, well, it's 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 something that, like so. I talk to a lot of brands. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. and I talk to a lot of people that work with a lot of brands too. And it's one of the common things I've been talking with lately is that the the culture was at this crazy boom. Um, it, it kind of went through this weird split. Like you know how like a stock gets to a certain level, then it splits, um, and yeah. then it can either fall from there or triple, and you know could go huge. And I feel like the industry went like this. It split because it had to and could to continue to, to continue growth. They had to have like some division. Um, and then mm-hmm. it just plateaued from there. And I think what we're about to come into in the kayak culture is people are going to start going more minimalistic. They're going to start going mm-hmm. to smaller kayaks, lighter boats, uh, back to the basics, you know, no technology. Cool. Um, I, I'm starting to see it go that direction for the next two years already. And I think it's going to be, that's going to be the next, that's going to be the future of the sport is the, now it grew and it split and everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you know, like mm-hmm. I got to this for like the peace and the calm and you know, I think it's going to go back to there. So the marketing, and that's a big thing too. That's the biggest part of my job is figuring out marketing trends and figuring out what my next move is and trying to figure out where, you know, the industry is like water. It's always going to flow and change and be in different states at all times. So I have to try to ride that wave and be in that water all the time. And seeing it moving forward, I feel like the culture is definitely going back to the basics. It's going back to where it started. Mm-hmm. It's going back to, you know, the the reason why we all loved it in the first place, which is I think one of the best things that could happen because now the new people that come in aren't going to be met with that division or met with that weird split we had or that weird complacency of the sport. They're going to see it as like this new part of it building up, you know, like if you picture like a staircase, like I rather always grow like a staircase, not a ramp, you know, I feel like right. this is going to go up level change, go up level change, go up. Everything should in order to, you know, have a good foundation. Um, so to, to, to end my long over, over a wordy answer, um, I feel like um, the kayak culture is going through its changes. It's going through its uh, stages from infancy to teenager years. And um, before it gets to full adulthood, I think there's going to be a lot of really cool changes and shakeups. And, um, you know, some people are definitely going to rise in the sport that deserve it. And I feel like some people might fall back a little bit in the sport that deserve it as well. So I think it's going to be a cool, uh, I think the next two years is probably one of the best two years of the kayak industry, in my opinion. Yeah, I, dude, very spot on. I think um, when you talk about the marketplace and, and kind of what's going on right now, and and I, I've seen it just, you know, through the eyes of my Facebook page here recently, I've been playing around and asking a few questions here and there. And, you know, the minimalistic boat is something that has, has come up um, from a few different people. And I think that's interesting. Um, obviously, you still got the guy that wants that um, great big heavy boat that's, you know, super stable, super all these things. But um, there is a call for this this boat that you're that you're talking about. And I think, you know, we're going to see it. It's going to happen. Oh, absolutely. Um, so easier barrier barrier to entry for a lot of folks too i mean a you know smaller lighter boat you know probably going to be a little bit cheaper they don't need all the electronics they don't need you know don't have the pedal drive they just go back to a paddle and it just it makes it a lot simpler for them just to grab and go Uh well do you notice that like in the i mean it's in the fishing world in general but mostly the bass boat world is a huge like rebellion against uh live scopes right now um, and that's kind of the growth that I'm talking about, where you'll, you'll have this big upshot of growth and then all the, the people who got into it for different reasons and they want to keep it back around a little bit. They're all rebelling against the growth or the change. And that's where you're going to see a split. Um, and, and this happens. This is a standard evolution. Everything everything does is it's necessary. Um, 
when it splits, it's just you don't know if it's going to rise or fall. And and that's like I said, that's why I think the kayak industry is really shining right now. Is we I feel like we had a big bubble burst and a split, and then now it's finally like it's leveling off, and now we're about to start growth. And and that growth, as you guys know, like after any struggle, any um, any loss, any defeat, like anything that you, you go through, any kind of trauma, the next stage is growth. And that's usually the best part of the whole experience, obviously, is, is where you grow from something. So I feel like the sport, having that division and having the upcoming growth, it'll be stronger than ever. There's going to be opportunities from all these amazing brands. Um, there's going to be opportunities from all this growth that's going to happen from this. Um, you know, a lot of people that are rising up in the sport that are doing kind of like what I do, um, we're bringing brands into the sport that have never even been in this industry at all. Um, and that's one of the biggest spotlights we're putting on. And that's happening because of that growth that I'm talking about. They're starting to see and forecast some of this growth that's happening. And it's it's a it's a positive growth. It's no longer a negative, like, you know, this division is going to happen. You know, this is a very, very positive growth. And um, the ones who stick it out are going to be very um, profitable from this for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to you guys that are listening or watching us live, uh, drop your questions in the comments and we will have at uh, 845 or in 30, 15 minutes, we will have a five questions um, from you guys with Mike. So drop those in there and we will uh, we'll be sure to ask him all those here coming up soon. Can I, um, can I answer a co- or re- respond yeah. to a comment that I saw in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Dell Patton commented, uh, Paddle versus paddle and motor versus no motor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that that's kind of the so I was talking about the division between the front facing sonar and the live scopes, all the stuff that's going on. So that's funny because that's exactly what I'm referring to. Um, that's part of it at least. When the pedal drive kayaks first, like when every brand jumped on board to compete with Hobie, that's where that huge growth happened, right? But then there was also mm-hmm. that that you know, no matter what was going to happen, that split was going to happen because then you had the Hobie purist versus everybody else, you know. Versus the world at that point and then everyone was like it was you know prop drivers versus fin drive and it was just this crazy like it was so weird to watch because i was like well, who cares you know I'm like it's just yeah, like it a was... or chevy thing like it just it kills me i'm like who it's it's a truck it's a kayak like they all have their trade-offs like who cares uh but that's when that division that was part of that growth of the division was the pedal versus paddle and then it was the motor versus no motor and you still see that motor versus no motor in some of these tournament scenes right now oh, yeah. um and that's the biggest change with tournaments is you know, um, KBF used to be the biggest and only thing in the game for these big events. And they, you know, they caused a, uh, a reason to have competition grow. And mm-hmm. there's so many players in the game now that all do an amazing job. And now it's no longer like pedal versus paddle, motor versus motor, uh, tournament versus tournament. Now it's like, all right, now there's like everything rose up. So now there's like a huge playing field for pedal mm-hmm. drives for non-pedal drives for motors for non-motors and some of these events are starting to like everyone's going motor now everyone's allowing motors and they're trying to like you know everyone's trying to level out a little bit all that division all that arguing all that like pitting people against each other um it's starting to finally like everyone's like coming out after the storm and the dust is settling mm-hmm. uh, there's this analogy i always use when someone's going through like a struggle or a problem and i always tell them like picture yourself like in the like a revolutionary war time you're on the battlefield. All you see in front of you is swords and blood and dirt and like dust and, you know, smoke and cannon fire, all the stuff. You can't see anything but the battle directly in front of you. But up on the hill, um, up on their high horse is where that saying came from. The generals are really sitting up there looking down on the playing field and telling 
um, their lieutenants and sergeants and everything, you know, hey, flank to the left, and they can easily see the moves and do all the stuff. Um, and then until the dust settles, which is where that saying came from, until the dust settles, you can't see in front of you. So with all of this back and forth battle with uh, technology and motors and all this brand stuff and all that crap, um, all that dust is finally settling. And now we can all take a look around to go, huh, okay, you know what? Hey, we're all people. Like, let's let's grow now. Let's all grow from this. Let's all let's all find the next level to make, you know, you know, another guy in the industry um, made a, have a saying that's, I love this saying so much. I use it all the time. Um, he said, a rising tide raises all ships. And uh, I think it's an old Navy saying. Um, and now people are starting to realize that rising the tide is way better than trying just to float above everybody else. And I, and I feel like the brands yeah. are realizing that, the people in the industry are realizing that, the tournaments are real, like these big tournament trails are realizing that. It's making the tournament trails better for everybody because now we have not just one, but like five or six at a really high level that are giving great payouts and truly yeah. amazing. We have brands that are reaching out to more anglers than ever right now and doing better content. Um, you know, it's no longer a battle between my brand versus your brand. It's like, hey, we have this to offer and other brands have this stuff to offer. And, you know, just consider us an option. Um, so like I was saying, like, I, I love that this guy commented that um, the uh, the pedal versus paddle, motor versus motor, pedals versus spins, all that stuff, um, because it's that's exactly what was the division. That was just a huge part of it. It was all these things pitted people against each other. I remember all that like it was yesterday. It's 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 funny that you know when you look back on it, it's like was that even really a thing? Yeah, it's it's dumb. <laughs> it is. When you look like, back at it, it's really dumb. Um, <clears throat> but uh, so let's let's kind of bounce forward. You've got let's talk about your show, what you guys oh, yeah. got going on. Um, for the people that haven't seen it, give them a little insight on what your show's about, what you guys do at the Basquatch Hunter. Okay, yeah. Uh, so uh, I talked about my uh, my journey and how I got to where uh, where I'm at with YouTube. So um, I'll pick up there, I guess. So we uh, we started my show on uh, 2016 in October, I believe it was, on YouTube. And uh, my original format, my original plan was I wanted to do a show, um, YouTube TV streaming. Like I had all these goals, but I just wanted to do a show. I didn't really care where where what platform at the time. I wanted to do something where I traveled the country and I found the biggest fish in every lake. I went to New York and found whatever native fish was the biggest there and went to uh, Tennessee, Florida, oh, excuse me, Texas. Uh, we did the flats and did saltwater and trying to find the biggest redfish, the biggest gator, the biggest, and like all these things in all these different states. And uh, I liked that format a lot. And that's where the name the Basquatch Hunter came from uh, because we were always hunting the elusive fish you never catch on camera from every lake. Um, and I had a knack for getting lucky and just catching every big fish. Like I would get outfished by everybody I fished with numbers, but I'd get the biggest one of the day. And everyone's like, like, how did this dude do that? Like my first time saltwater fishing, I got the biggest redfish of the day out of like six fishermen. And they're like, how'd you do that? I'm like, I, dude, I don't know. I've never been here. Like, I don't know. Like I, I it's not on purpose. Like it's, if anyone tells you they purposely catch the biggest fish in a school of fish, they're liars because it's not skill. It's you have to know where the big fish hang out for sure. You have to know where they are and how to fish them and how to use your presentation correctly. But knowing that that big one's going to bite versus that small aggressive one that always takes your bait first, that's luck. And I had that weird knack for luck. And uh, so the name Basquatch Hunter stuck and it was awesome. Um, well, then I did an episode with uh, a guy that was, had the same sponsor that I had. Um, he's a, he was a, the rookie of the year NASCAR driver that year. And we had a mutual sponsor. And so they wanted me to go to his race and do some promotion with him. And I'm like, heck yeah, I will. Like, you know, go to Chicago and go to this amazing race and like go in the pits and do some promo with a race car driver. Like, sign me up. Like, heck yeah. 
like hotels yeah. for like it was, I felt like a celebrity it was the coolest thing and i was like all right i'm down so we go there and me and this kid start talking and he's like you know a huge outdoorsman big country boy uh, big into fishing and everything so i told our mutual sponsor i was like hey man like will you cover the cost of us doing a fishing trip together like him coming here and me going there whatever it is like let us go fishing together and do a big promo video why not well then i was like well why waste that opportunity let's make an episode out of it um well then i was like my favorite two shows in the world were how it's made and uh mike road dirty jobs and i was like my two favorite shows since i was really young i was watching how it's made show i love factoids i love learning stuff like that so i was like how do i combine that with this episode so i was like hey man will you teach me how to raise cars like that'd be the coolest thing ever and uh, of course i couldn't get it in in his you know nascar you know they wouldn't let me do that but He's like, hey, there's a famous race car go-kart track where all the famous NASCAR guys have been before. It's been there forever. And it's like this crazy, like just worn out place, but it's like very famous. And these go-karts do like 60 miles an hour, no seatbelts, no roll cages. Like you just go, no suspension. Like you, it's just, it's dirt, dirt oval track stuff too. So we went there. Dude taught me how to race, had one of the best times of my life. And I was like, this is it. This is my new show. I'm going to teach you how to fish. I'm going to take you in my world and teach you how to do what I do because I'm super passionate about it. I want to show you why kayak fishing is so incredible, but then I want to go see what you're so passionate about. And I want to learn how to race because you might do it every day to you. It's not exciting, but to me, it's like one of the coolest things I've ever done. I'm like, so let's share that passion like with each other. And that's one of the most rewarding things, no matter if it's like hunting or fishing or uh, welding or plumbing, if you're passionate about something, seeing someone else light up with excitement about it for the first time is probably the most rewarding thing you could possibly get from that passion. Um, so that fishing segment was amazing. The race car segment was absolutely incredible. And that's when I had the light bulb and I was like, this is the new show. So I started the show um, taking people fishing that have never fished or aren't fishermen and then going in their world, learn how to do what they do um, in uh, 2017. And then uh, it blew up. It just took off. I, I mean, every episode was a different audience. Um, every episode showcased different products, different brands, different people, different personalities. It was such a cool adventure. And I, I couldn't believe that, like, I got to do that for a living. This was 2018. And I was just like, there's no way this is real. Um, like I get to zip line over gator swamps in Louisiana and race cars. And, um, I got to figure skate with Olympic figure skaters, snowboard with Olympic snowboarders, um, play hockey, with professional hockey players. Um, I mean, I've gotten so much cool stuff. It's like, it's so ridiculous thinking about it. Um, I got to drive a monster truck last month and run over cars and one of my kayaks and everything. Uh, you know, just the stuff, got to work at a dairy farm for a day. Like, it's just amazing. Um, and making that into a show was just a natural thing. I was like, this has to, like, people have to see how cool this is. Like, not only is it cool that I get to go fishing and kayaks is, are awesome and the adventures and the places they can take you are incredible, but like, the fact that kayak fishing brought me to here where I can now show you someone else's passion where they're like super passionate about comedy or uh, whatever they do. And I get to try to do it too. So you can see us both out of our elements, see us both in a different world and see us both teach someone what we're passionate about. Um, and it blew my mind. So three years on cable, we had, we won an award every year. We won a tele award, which is the television awards. Um, we won an award in nature and wildlife our first year. Um, on the Pursuit Channel, um, we or we won a second year in uh, entertainment on TV, which is a huge category. Um, and then third year, uh, we got a Discovery Channel, and got a Discovery Channel. We got nominated for an Emmy. We're the first kayak fishing show to ever have that, to ever be a kayak um, or an Emmy nominated show for kayak fishing. Um, we're the only kayak fishing show on Discovery Channel. I mean, we started hitting these accolades where 
you know, it blows my mind the fact that we've done all these things with kayak fishing. You know what I mean? Like it just it's so well, it's weird awesome. that it's so weird to me that like I get messages from people from anywhere in the country, doesn't matter what state, just all over the place, different backgrounds, and they're like, Hey man, these kayaks are cool. Like I've never heard of these. Like check out the picture of my first one. And it's like, you know, a, a big box store kayak, whatever, but they're so happy. And I'm like, dude, that's so cool that like, I got to be part of that dude's story. Like he could make a memory in that kayak with his son or with his grandpa or by himself, even that'll stick with him the rest of his life. Like it did with me. Mm-hmm. And the fact that I sparked that is probably the coolest thing that I've ever had happen to me. Um, and it blows my mind. And so either way, so the show now, um, it's 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 crazy where it's gotten we've got over eight million impressions a year now uh we average about uh what is it we at two two points i have a sheet over here 2.6 million viewers i think now um on cable alone not counting on demand and streaming and it's just like man the fact that people like this show so much and that we get to keep on doing it it's just amazing you know it's absolutely incredible Look at Deion Sanders. He's got some stuff going on right now. I bet you could really bump those numbers with the way Deion's moving. <laughs> He's an outdoorsman too. I yeah. wish. Do some do some fishing outdoorsman. He lo- he loves the bass fish. So yeah, yeah. He's uh he's got it going on. That would be a that'd be an episode. Everything seems to follow him. Uh, no man, that is that's amazing. And I I like the preface of the show. I mean. It is. It's it's very much exactly what you, what you explained. It's dirty jobs, how it works, put together with kayak fishing. I mean, you yeah. can't really explain it any better than that. It's dude, it's crazy. And you know what's cool is we do like factory tours too. Like I did a hockey factory where I got my custom goalie pads made for the fish or for the hockey episode, and I have to show people how goalie pads were made at the largest goalie manufacturer for the NHL. Like it was just crazy that I got to be there. Um, and we've done like um, Dearborn Sausage Factory that show how like hot dogs and sausage and stuff is made at a, at a huge scale, like a national brand scale. And, um, you know, we have episodes we're filming right now for next year. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to leak these or not. I might get a text from my producer if he sees this. But um, we have like the monster trucks where I get to show how monster trucks are made and built and how they operate and how absolutely insane they are. 1700 horsepower you're like 15 feet in the air sitting on it like you can't move or look around you or see the controls you gotta like just memorize you're so strapped in it's like that was one of the coolest things i've ever done in my life too and like we get to show people how that stuff works and like the guy who spends every second of his day living and breathing that passion we get to share his story and and it just it's just such a cool thing um and, and i will say this too one of the episodes we filmed for next year um and it sounds kind of dumb but um, we're doing a, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. If I get in trouble, I'm blaming you guys. Um, it's fine. It's we're, doing, my we're, way. Doing a, we're doing a worm factory. Okay. Like, isn't that the weirdest thing to say to somebody? Like a worm factory? But like yeah. the largest distributor of worms in the entire country. Um, hmm. they, they do, uh, I was there today, actually. They had 3.2 million worms in their floor, at their floor they were working on that day. Um, and it's like just rotates all like they're just millions and millions and it's just like the weirdest thing but being able to show people how the whole thing works like me learning how it works is fascinating i've done a couple tours of the place just to kind of get my bearings straight with it it blows my mind like who would have ever thought and that's what drew me to like doing that kind of a format too was like if you think about how like uh you know you're, you're into archery right zach 
I'm assuming I saw the Hoyt sign in the back. So, so imagine like if you got to see an archery factory and see how they like how Hoyt builds their bows and see how like all the components and just like the it, it'd be awesome. Like it'd be so cool to see how that stuff like everyday things are made. Hoyt, um, it's pretty phenomenal. Oh really? Yeah, it's got to be cool, man. Like it's got to be yeah. so fascinating to see how like even how the pulleys are put in and how the strings are done, like everything, and, and being able to show that. Um, yeah, right down to airbrushing little blemishes out of the finish on some of the camouflage models. It's it's pretty oh really? Special. Oh yeah. See, dude, I kind of want to like now I want to do an archery episode. I kind of want to see that. <laughs> so and that's how I come up with my episodes too. Is I, I'll be sitting there going, man, it'd be cool to do that. I'm like, well, let me see if I can find a company. You know, like I do that all the time with mm -hmm. stuff. Where like I'm like, oh man, I really want to figure out how this is made. I Google it. I'm like, well, that's cool. Like let me call that company up and see if they're on board. Like why not? That's how the worm one came. Probably, out. I could probably facilitate that. See, yeah. we'll talk. Yeah. We'll talk. Because that's the thing, though. Like, it, there's no limit. And, and that's one of the coolest parts of our show is, you know, I've done figure skating. I've done WWE wrestling. I've done uh, dairy farms, comedians, uh, radio hosts, 90s, one hit wonder, rock bands. Uh, you know, there's like, there's no limit to what is interesting. Everybody who's passionate about something, it's cool. You know, like I even thought about doing like a plumber and electrician episode this year. Um, we, we couldn't squeeze it in because we had we had like 24 ideas and we only have 12 episodes. So we had to weed out the ones that like, you know, we had to take the best ones. But like, it'd be cool to do a plumbing episode for a plumbing company, not a plumber itself, where I have to like lay on my back and do plumbing all day because that doesn't sound like fun for me. But like a plumbing factory um, or or industrial plumbing or underwater plumbing. Like there's so many cool things that it's like, all right, that'd be kind of cool to see how it's done. You know, like, yeah. like someone who's passionate about doing it, it's cool no matter what it is. Like, it's funny, I want to do a tennis episode. And tennis and golf are the two sports that I just haven't been able to do yet um, and nail down um, that I want to do. I want to do football, but, like, football players are so big that I just don't see how that would be a really fun episode for me. <laughs> but, like, uh, I feel like uh, tennis would be cool and golf would be cool. And it sounds so boring, but if you get into the – if I do a factory tour of a golfing company of how golf balls are made, that sounds really interesting to me. Like I would watch it because I want to see how golf balls are made. If I get to play around in golf with a PGA golfer, like I'm kind of interested to see like how good they really are in person and see how passionate they are about the sport. Um, tennis, same thing. Like how cool would it be to see tennis balls made? It's probably pretty cool, you know, but it sounds so dumb to everybody until you think about it. So, you know, that's what's fun about the show is if you want to do an archery episode, then I call up archery companies. And, you know, most brands I've talked to about every idea I have, they're always on board because why not? They're like, of course, you want to show off what we do. And, you know, you sound so passionate about what you do. Like, you know, we're interested. Why not? Like, I've never fished before. Like, it sounds fun. So I, I think it'd be really cool to like, I think it'd be really cool to find like obscure stuff to do for next year or sorry, not for next year. We're already filming for next year, but for 2025, like I thought about like weird, like pencil factories, you know, like I thought about like just weird, like only because it's almost like a challenge at this point to be like, how cool is the weirdest thing? Like we're filming right. a haunted house next week and this haunted house is, it takes 45 minutes to go through one out of seven buildings. Um, they have underground mm -hmm. tunnels, but like haunted house doesn't sound exciting as far as like showing you how it's done until you do a full daytime tour and realize 120 actors working in a haunted house and like all this pneumatics and air things. And like, it's once mm -hmm. you go to that part of it, it's like, you know what, that's actually really cool. Like I went through an open, yeah. open walk through like two days ago, the haunted house. And I was like, this much goes into a haunted house. Like, you know what I mean? So like everything 
that someone is passionate about can be amazing. And, and that's what's so much fun about the show. Sorry, I talk so much. I'm sorry, guys. No, no. I mean, it's, I mean, all through college, if, if my TV was on during the day, it was either Dirty Jobs or How It's Made that was on. So all this is right up my alley. 100%. Yeah, dude, so if you watch how <laughs> you've probably seen episodes about how springs are made or oh yeah like you know what i mean but it's like you watch a whole 30 minutes of it and you're like when you're done it's almost like did i just watch 30 minutes of how springs are made like what like that was yeah, so absolutely cool. <laughs> so but that's what's fun about that's the show, how my brain right? works <laughs> like i used to so i used to want to go after like a-list celebrities like i wanted like you know i wanted Deion sanders i wanted uh you know John Daly like I wanted like these big names because I'm like that's what I have to that's what makes a TV show but then I started working with like singers from the voice and like comedians that are like national like selling out comedians but not like it's not Dave Chappelle you know but it's like mm -hmm. I opened for Dave Chappelle and I started like I started doing that and I was like this is almost more fun because these dudes aren't here because they're getting paid they're here because they're actually passionate about what they do and they want to share that with everybody else and it's exactly how I feel so it's like everyone I've filmed with I've been friends with afterwards. I take a lot of these guys out fishing multiple times after we film. Like, you know, we talk about things. I became personal friends with quite a few of my guests. And, you know, it's just like such a cool atmosphere. Like everyone has fun on our show. Everybody mm -hmm. loves to, you know, talk about the show afterwards. Everyone wants to be on the show again. I'm doing a fireman episode for the second or third season in a row with the same fireman this year. Um, but this mm -hmm. year I get to be a fireman for the first time. Um, last one was qualifying during the um, agility course. This one is putting out car fires, jaws of life stuff, putting out building fires. So it's like the the show is so much fun that it's like it's like a it's like a it's almost got its own like gravity, its own magnetic pull, where it's just mm -hmm. creating like this big spotlight where people who've never seen fishing, let alone kayak fishing. But might be fans of the fireman or the figure skater or the monster truck. They're now being exposed to our sport, and then they get into it, and then they tell their friends, and they get into it. Then we do a chef episode, and all these like housewives get into the show because they're watching a cooking show almost at the same time. And now we're bringing that. You know what I mean? So we're just building like yeah. this big thing that is just getting the passions so collide. Well, yeah. Well, that's why I'm, I'm, I look at it like I always say that um, you know darkness exists in everybody. You know, everyone has darkness somewhere, struggles, battles, whatever. If we make mm -hmm. the spotlight so damn big that there is no darkness anywhere. Then we're just creating this big positive thing where my goal isn't to make you or make anyone be fishermen or kayak fishermen. My goal is to get everyone to take a risk and try something new and find a new adventure. And mine was kayak fishing. And that's what I love to share with people. But this person's was music or this person's was plumbing or this person's was dairy farming or um, monster trucks, whatever. So like the point is, is if we can all do this and then switch worlds and still have fun and be passionate and be happy, you could go out and take that risk and, and take that new job you were scared about or start your own nutritional YouTube channel if you want to do that for a living or be a writer or whatever your whatever your you know pie in the sky thing is that you're afraid to do. Like I'm showing you everyone from every background who's done the same thing, who took that jump and look how happy it makes us. And we can all do it and have fun and share it with each other. So maybe get out and share that with each other too. You know, maybe you should teach your your friend what you're passionate about and maybe not be afraid of someone that's a little bit different and does something different because you can learn something life-changing from them too. Amazing words, man. Amazing words. So one of, one of the questions we've got from the audience, favorite episode you've filmed so far? Man, I get that question so much and I always hate it because I never know which one to pick because it's different every time I get asked. Um, I have a least favorite episode. Um, 
Well, I have two least favorite episodes, I should say. Um, and that was hard enough to win the letdown. Favorite episodes, I don't really have. Um, but my favorite moment from an episode, I guess, um, I did an episode with my dad two years ago. Um, it's the first time we've ever fished together. Um, first time we've ever bass fished together. First time he's ever caught a bass that I, well, since I've been around that I know of. Um, and it was the first time that he's ever seen my show from that angle even. So like, it was kind of like, I was really proud to show my dad what I do. Like, hey dad, this is how it works. Like, here's how much, how, how hard I work to do this that you don't get to see if you watch my show. Um, but also like, I got to immortalize this memory of me and my dad catching a fish and seeing him light up. Like we don't have the best relationship all the time, but um, you know, seeing him light up holding a huge bass was like honestly one of the coolest things that I've ever done um, in my entire life, not just the show. But that was my, and he's not a huge fisherman. He's not like into fishing now or anything either. But the fact that he came into my world doing something that he doesn't normally do, and then he lit up, like he got to see it. He was like, I get it. Like this is like, he was so proud of that fish. And I just stood back and I remember my camera guy was next to me and I just kind of like bumped him a little bit. I was like, hey, like check this out. Like how cool is this right now? So mm -hmm. I don't want to say that's my favorite episode as a whole because every, like there's so, I could give you a huge list. Um, I, I'd only missed two. Um, and the only reason why I have two that weren't my favorite is I broke two ribs in one of them. Um, and I had to go back and refilm parts of it two weeks later when I could finally breathe enough again. And it, it was right. a full episode ever. Um, and then I had another one where the guest was so afraid of fish that he quit after he caught his first little fish um, because he was wow. so afraid of fish. And he was a very large man. So very sh it shocked me, but it was funny. The episode was great. The dude's amazing. Uh, he, he's a good friend. But I definitely didn't expect that. And it made it very, very difficult. We had an hour and 10 minutes or so of fishing, which usually we do three to five. Um, and mm -hmm. it was one fish and done. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, so that's a, that's a great question, though. Now, another question, uh, and this is actually, this kind of gets thrown around the Orion podcast a lot, believe it or not. Weirdest thing that's happened while filming. Oh. <laughs> we've heard, now, just to preface this, we've heard everything from rap <laughs> videos being filmed at gas stations to backwoods, back road campsites with strangers in the dark. So, yeah, take it wherever. <laughs> Uh, you know what? My first thing, I don't know if this is the weirdest thing, but it's the first thing that came to my mind. And it, I, don't, I don't know if it classifies the weirdest, but so I do a lot of pay it forward videos in my episodes too, where where like me and my guests will go buy groceries for people or um, we'll do circles on the drive through and pay for everyone for an hour or we'll go to a diner and pay for the whole restaurant for three hours or um, give away gas cards. And like we do, there's, we do a lot of pay it forward stuff. And um, even like, uh, excuse me, one of my favorite episodes that we did and uh, we filmed in Chicago for last or, or and this year, but I call it last season because we're already on next season, but it aired this year um, with uh, Brooke Fletcher. She was former Miss Georgia. She's a sportscaster. I got to go on live TV on a sports show and be a sportscaster for a day too. It was amazing. Um, but we gave away her kayak afterwards to the boys and girls club in Chicago. Um, it was a brand new kayak. She's the first person to use it. And then she got fishing it for first time ever. Then we donated it to the boys and girls club. Um, so like a lot of the cherry stuff we do is really cool. Like I love anywhere we have room, if we have an episode where like we have enough content where we can like squeeze in a charity thing, I do it. But we had one, um, we were giving away gas cards at a gas station. This dude pulls up. I hope I don't get in trouble for this one too. This dude pulls up and he's got a big, huge peace sign on his back window. It's like a rainbow peace sign, like it's big, bright, colorful, like happy 
dude gets out, you know, it seems like he's like, you know, peppy, like a, you know, happy, good, good mood guy. And we go up and we're like, hey, man, I just wanted to give you a gas card before you pump your gas. Like, here's 50 bucks. Like, you know, fill up your tank. It was right when gas started going up. It was a couple of years ago, like when gas like went like doubled immediately. And I was like, hey, man, like, you know, try to help people out. This dude grabs the card, throws it on the ground and started screaming. And, and like, we have a camera crew sitting there, like, the, you know, the gas station knows we're filming, like all this stuff. This dude goes off. I said, I don't want free gas. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. He went crazy to the point where other people were like interjecting, being like, hey, man, calm down. And we're just, we were so shocked. Um, we actually stopped filming for like two hours, went and got lunch, like we had to reset. Um, and it was the strangest reaction. I, like, I have people say no when we buy groceries, like, no, 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 we don't right. need it, or like, help someone. Like, totally fine, totally cool. Like, yeah. No, but yeah. This dude was like throwing stuff, like, he was screaming weirdest reaction i've ever seen and, and i think it's hard to pick the weirdest thing that's happened because like i fell off of a boat yesterday um you know and like almost ate it into the trailer it was terrible but like that was the most shocking to me because it was so out of left field like my camera guy put the camera down and just had like deer headlights look like what do i do do i keep filming like what's going on like this dude was like threatening us and it was like a simple like hey man we're here to pay for your gas like no no strings attached like you don't gotta do anything we just want to give this to you and then we ask them afterwards, like, hey, do you mind that we filmed this? And if you don't, then we'll take it out. We don't need to film it. Like, no big deal. We just want to, like, try to inspire people to go out and do this and, you know, blah, blah. And uh, this dude was just, like, all we did was say, can we pay for your gas? And he went on about a 15 to 20-minute tirade. It was impressive and incredible. Wow. And we always said when he, when he left, the, my guest that was with me, um, when he left, my buddy was like, um, hey, you don't seem too peaceful. And he, the dude starts screaming out the window. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> the oh, hardest man. episode that you've had to film, most technically challenging. Oh, man. On your end, let's go with your end. Like, you showed up for this other person's passion and it was just challenging. There's, I mean, there's so many. So, like, I, I don't have an answer, but I want to explain why I don't in a very the fastest way I can. So Chicago, um, we were seven hours delayed when we got there because of a huge thunderstorm. So we had an hour to film before dark. It was crazy stressful. We just drove all the way to Chicago and waited seven hours for the storm. Like it was crazy. Um, we had to rush everything, and then we had to bring you know we had to bring our guest who was a former beauty pageant winner, like dropped dead gorgeous girl. Met her for the first time. All my guests I meet for the first time. Um, well, maybe one or two I've met before, like a day before, a week before, but almost every guest I meet for the first time on camera on purpose. So we meet for the first time that day and we bring her back to an Airbnb, like a shady Airbnb that we had never been to either. We just got to, it was like a really weird area. Like it was so weird. I'm like, and it was so hard because I'm like trying to like make her comfortable and try to like be like, Hey, we're just, we're super professional, all this stuff. Uh, we only had an hour to film. We rushed everything. Uh, we had to be at her studio for hair and makeup at like six in the morning. So like that was super challenging. It was tough. We had three locations. It was nuts. But that's happened just like that in like five other episodes. So it's like that, like we get delayed from weather. We film outdoors or like we don't catch fish. So we went from a three hour fishing segment to a eight hour fishing segment because we just didn't catch fish all day. And we, we if we skunk, we show in the episode, but we try to fish as long as we can to get the content. Um, you know, we've had kayaks you know, break in the middle of an episode where we had to stop and go back and fix things. We've had cameras go in the water. We've had, I mean, 
the WWE wrestler one, I broke two ribs um, and we were like in the middle of filming. I took a chair to the back, but I turned on accident and caught it in the ribs and broke two ribs. And that was terrible because I had to finish filming that day and then come back two weeks later and then finish filming again. Uh, I mean, there's so many challenges. I, I would say the toughest, if I had to pick, and even like the, I, I haven't even told the story at all yet, but the monster truck episode last month, my tr enclosed trailer came off my truck on the freeway. Uh, I hit a step oh, in, the in the construction zone and it, it broke the hitch uh, or the latch on the on the ball and it popped up and my safety chains luckily grabbed. But trailer went off the road. It was crazy. Like it delayed us three hours. So like we had a very small window to get our filming done. I mean, stuff like that happens so often that it doesn't even, I don't react. I'm just like, oh, well, all right, well, how do we get this fixed? How do we get back on the road? And how delayed are we going to be? That's all I care about. Hmm. I had my truck break down in Kentucky four years ago, and it was a three-day fix and like $3,000. Um, and I just, you know what I mean? Like, you get used to it. Um, no the, most problems, only episode, solutions. the most challenging episode for me to learn, I will say this, um, was figure skating. Um, only because I've played hockey for 36 years. I can skate really well. Um, but figure skates are totally different than hockey skates. Um, I fell a lot and I just couldn't like my, my brain, like I know how to skate. So like naturally I've been skating since I was three years old. Um, putting on a flat blade skate with the toe pick on the front that grabs and makes you fall face first immediately. It's one of the hardest things I've, I, I couldn't break that like muscle memory. Um, so by the time I was done, they were like, hey, man, like, if you ever want to start figure skating, like, you could probably, like, you got a pretty good start. I was like, no, get these off of me. Like, I'm done. Like, that was so hard. It was like, you don't wear pads. Like, I wear hockey pads when I play hockey. Like, I'm skating faster than I can normally skate because figure skates are made to skate faster. And I'm falling, like, hard. And I was like, this is, like, I'm done. So the figure skating was the most challenging to learn. But I can't think of an episode that hasn't been challenging in some way. Uh, like, every episode is, like, it's got its own set of battles. Like it's so much harder than people think. So, uh, and this would be a question that Zach would ask. Um, how do you stay on the up and up, man? Like doing all this stuff. I mean, it's when you're filming, you're traveling, all these, all these different things. How do you, how do you keep your body on the up and up for the grind every day? Uh, I don't, uh, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be 40 soon here and I'm feeling it. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where I wake up every day as early as I can, and I stay up as late as I can, um, and I just try to mm -hmm. as much as I can. Um, you know, besides the show, I've got so many other things that I do with this brand, and it's just there's I do eight eight full time jobs. Um, mm -hmm. But I've had a lot of businesses in my life, um, and they're all so different, um, which kind of explains how I'm so scattered with my show too, I guess. But um, you know, I, I owned a restaurant and bar. Um, I had a music business. I did. Um, professional mixed martial arts fighting. I've done, um, you know, professional hockey coaching, um, did private lessons for goalies for a lot of big people. Um, done a lot of stuff. Um, and I don't know, I guess you just learn like being upset about things that go wrong or like having challenges affect you at all, I guess. All it does is take energy away from the solution. So, when, when you get that mindset at a younger age where you're just like, there's a problem, you don't stop, you just find a way around it or find a way to overcome it, or you just you just stay moving. Um, I feel like I've been doing that since I was so young and I don't remember anything different. So 
you know, when obstacles come up, when things go wrong, when I don't get the, the viewership ratings come in and they're lower than they're supposed to be, which honestly doesn't happen that often. We've been so blessed and lucky with our ratings. But, like, sometimes I'm like, man, like, on that outlet, we didn't get the views I was hoping to get. Or on this one, like, we air on so many different things, too. Um, it's like I, I don't get upset. I get motivated. Um, it's like it's like I think it's from fighting because I've been doing mixed martial arts for so long. and I've been doing boxing and wrestling and stuff, like, most of my life. Um, so, like, I feel like it's one of those things where when you get punched in the face, you, you learn to like not get punched in the face. You know what I mean? Like you just learn like, Hey, getting punched in the face sucks, but like I need to make sure I avoid getting punched in the face next time. Like I'm, I'm a small dude. I don't know if you can tell on camera here, but I'm only five foot five. I'm not a big guy at all. And I was a bouncer at a club um, at a few different clubs in like the worst area of, of my County. Um, people who are from North Michigan, it was Pontiac. So it's like Detroit. Um, and everyone always used to ask me like, how the heck are you a bouncer? And I was like, I don't give up. I fight really hard and I'm very like calm and collected. And I learn how to not get punched in the face. Like if I get beat up one day, all it does is teach me like what I did wrong. So I don't do that again. And I just got better and better and better. And I evolved because I didn't let it, like, I didn't, I, I got picked on a lot in school, even when I was younger. And when I got picked on in school, I was like, cool, that guy punched me in the face. How do I avoid that? Or he kicked me or he picked me up and just threw me into the wall or something like what's my counter to that? And I just learned. And then I started getting better at defending myself the older I got. I started looking. I feel like that mentality carried over to this industry so strong. Like, it just constantly just moving forward. When things go wrong, I'm like, okay, being sad isn't going to fix it. Being angry is going to make everything worse. Um, you know, if, if someone's yelling at you and you yell back, a stranger walks by, they see two idiots yelling at each other. They don't. There's no right or wrong. So don't be that other idiot that yells back at someone. Just find a way to like avoid it or move on and find a way to make that not happen again. So I, I think the only way to keep moving forward and keeping a good head on my shoulders is just to, there's so much positivity that comes out of what I do. So, you know, like I said earlier, shining the biggest spotlight you can creates no darkness. I do the same thing internally. I just tell myself like when my depression kicks in or my anxiety overtakes something, or I have a hater do something or, you know, something or if something bad happens with my show or an episode or, um, you know, if I have a sponsor that's, you know, hurting for money. So we're like, Hey, probably aren't going to do anything together next year. Anything negative that could happen. Um, I just look at it and go, okay, uh, I've had this happen. You know, I'm almost 40. How many bad things have I gone through? Like everything will be fine mm -hmm. after this. Um, you know, I mentioned something earlier where I said, uh, after your struggle or your trauma or anything, the next thing you have is growth, which is the best part of the whole process. Same idea. I know by now, you know, I've been through divorce, I've been through loss, I've been through pain, I've been through all the stuff. I know that as soon as the trauma part's done, that's the best feeling you'll ever have. So like you never give up when something gets hard because you never know when that break is where you're like, hey, this is the hardest it's gonna get. After this is the best relief you'll ever have. Like having a tooth pulled. Like that relief is just like, it's so rewarding. And you're like, damn, good thing I didn't give up. You know, I never would've had this. You know what I mean? Like good thing I pulled that slot machine one more time because that's when the jackpot hit. So anyone who tries this industry or any industry that they're passionate about and they get the rejection, they get told no. You know, I did door-to-door -door sales to businesses for phone service back then when they used to sell long distance and stuff. Like talk about getting like 50 to 60 no's a day, getting thrown out of businesses. Like, you know, you learn that that 51st yes was worth it. You know what I mean? Like hmm. you push, you push until that negativity becomes a positive, no matter what it is. So anybody who chases that dream or follows that passion, whether it's hunting, fishing or whatever it is, like you're going to get rejections. You're going to get told no. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to sacrifice. But then 
when you figure out how to overcome all that crap and not stop, but keep on moving forward, it's like the coolest feeling in the world. Like when we got an Emmy nomination, I was like six years of like all the crap I went through. Like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Like something cool happened. If I would have gave up, this wouldn't have happened. Getting on Discovery Channel. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Like I worked so hard for that. And I was like, we're on Discovery Channel. Like, holy crap. If I would have gave up a year ago, like I wanted to at one point, I wouldn't be able to say we are on Discovery Channel right now. You know what I mean? Like it's just such a cool right. thing to fight that extra five seconds. Man, I give That's awesome, man. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Um, so as we kind of close out, I want you to kind of kind of give people a preview, tell them what you've got coming up, um, things to look forward to from you. Uh, yeah, hold on. So uh, I work with about uh, about 600 to 700 kids a season, um, teaching them how to fish, um, teaching at fishing camps, um, doing seminars, all these things. With just And that's just with one outlet that I do. That's about 650 kids at, at West Bloomfield Parks um, in my area here. Um, and I always tell them the story. They just want to know how the brand started and what the name Basquatch means. And I always tell them the story about like, you know, you know, I started getting really creative after a while because I deal with kids. I love kids. I love working with kids. Um, I coach kids in hockey. I taught kids music. Like, I've always been around kids. So I was like, let me find a way where these kids can like not just hear what I'm saying, but like understand why I do all this. So I came up with this character called Seth Squatch. Um, and Seth Squatch like, is another thing. I'm, I'm going to drop three things here on this interview that I've never really talked about because I think it'd be fun. Uh, Seth Squatch, I named because Seth Green was my favorite actor as a kid. I don't know why. Okay. Um, the movie Without a Paddle um, was really big for oh, me. Yeah. Because, um, Dak Shepard grew up with me um, out here, and uh, we had video class together. He was he was an intern with MTV the year I was a freshman, and he came back as a, as a student assistant for a year, and it like inspired me so much that I like this guy is going to be big one day. And then sure enough, he was on Punk for four or five years, six years, and then. Mm -hmm had a great movie career, still does. Um, and I, he was in that movie Without a Paddle was his first movie, was the point, I guess. And Seth Green was in the movie, and I love Seth yeah. Green. So I've always liked the name Seth. Uh, my favorite dirt bike rider, um, when I was into dirt bike racing, when I was really young, his name was Seth Enslow. So either way, so the character Seth Squatch, um, remember Seth Enslow? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. the demons of the dirt. Yeah, I had the Seth pants, man. Yeah. The Seth, the Seth pants, yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. So uh, either way, the name Seth was always big for me. So I was like, that's the name of this character. And it sounds like Sasquatch. So Seth Squatch. And uh, I, I kind of wanted to make the story about me, but not make it about me. Like, I don't like my name isn't attached to my show. It's the Basquatch Hunter Fish Out of Water. It doesn't say Mike McKinstry anywhere. Um, I, I don't like my name being a part of it because I want the show and the format and the mission to be about the mission and about the message. Like, you know, chad or zach or anybody could could host the show you know what i mean like mm -hmm. the show isn't about the host it's about the story um so i wanted to kind of give a reason why all this happened without using my name but kind of use my reasoning so either way i started the story um called the adventures of seth squatch um and i started telling kids the story that i made up about how seth was the sasquatch and you know sasquatches hide in the woods that's what they do um, we've never seen him in, in real life. We think we did in 1967. We have a picture, but that's all we have. Um, but they've been hiding forever and they're afraid of humans because we're trying to hunt them. Well, one day Seth Squatch met a kayak fisherman because he was able to go in this river and go in this remote area in the woods where nobody ever goes and boats don't go. 
And Seth finally met his first human and was like, hey, what is that? What are you doing? Like, teach me how to do that. I'm, I'm curious. I've never met a human. Learns how to fish, catches his first bass. And it was the biggest bass in the whole river. It was a Sasquatch-sized bass, so they called it a Basquatch. And uh, the kayak fisherman, um, his name was Joey, which is my middle name. My mom calls me Joey. It's Joseph. Um, so um, kayak fisherman's name was Joey. And uh, he was like, man, it's so cool. I learned how to do something. Now I want to see what I've been missing all this time. Like how many other humans are out there? What else does, is there I can learn? So every single day, Seth goes out of the woods and meets a new human and learns what they're passionate about, what they do, and teaches them some really cool things about being a human and what it means to do what they do and how to be a human and all that stuff. Um, and then also Seth goes, well, let me teach you what I love to do. I love fishing because I learned from this kayak fisherman. So here's how you fish. So I started a children's book series because it made sense. And all these kids love the story. And they always asked every year I'd come back to these camps and these kids would ask me another Seth story. So I was like, you know what? Here it is. So I started the adventures of Seth Squatch. Um, this is the first book right here this is the basquatch hunter it's how i get the name the basquatch hunter um it's a super super cool book i just told you this whole story that's kind of the, the story of the book like here's seth meeting joey the kayak fisherman my first kayak was like green it. um it, it's such a cool story dude the illustrations are absolutely stunning my buddy josh is the illustrator um and mm -hmm. it, it's such a cool storyline um all about meeting people that are different than you you get free stickers in there there's also like journal entries in this thing Here's a journal entry from Seth about his day meeting a human. Here's a map of where they fished, which is also the board game that I did. Um, there's an adventurer's journal where kids can fill out their own journal and color some sketches. Really cool stuff. You can see at Seth Hyphen's watch. I'll put it in the chat. Um, so book number two comes out in a month. Um, so that's our new big thing. Um, this book right here tells you follow along the next adventure when Seth meets a race car driver, which as I mentioned earlier was our first episode um where mm -hmm. he's a race car driver learns how to be focused and determined and all the stuff that i learned racing cars and then he teaches the race car driver how to fish um and teaches him some valuable lessons as well which is really cool uh third book you need to come in and and they're all based off real episodes of our show so every time seth leaves the woods he meets a real guest that we filmed with learns what i actually learned in the episode teaches him what i actually taught that guest in the episode um it's super great story um so that's a big thing that's coming down the pipeline is book number two will be out right before Christmas. It'll be here in about three to four weeks, the most. Um, our third book is I'm almost done writing it right now. Then I'll go through the editing process and that whole cycle, then go to the illustrator. That'll be ready by March for reading month next year. And we have 13 books planned for our 13 favorite episodes. Um, really excited about it too. It's going to be really cool. Um, second big thing that I'm going to announce for the first time here too, um, another uh, podcast exclusive, if you will, here. Um, next year, uh, I think this deserves, uh, let me turn this down a little bit. I think this deserves, uh, air horn here. So, uh, the, uh, next big thing is, uh, so if you watch fishing shows on streaming, um, there's like, um, you know, real tree streaming, there's, um, you know, um, pursuit up is what I air on too for pursuit mm -hmm. channel streaming. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of streaming platforms out there, um, for hunting, fishing outdoors. Um, but you can't watch kayak fishing or, you know, fishing shows on, uh, you know, Hulu or Netflix or like the mainstream streaming. Um, and that's been a hurdle that is just slowed down the sport so much in my life. Um, or my opinion, I mean, because a lot of these brands that I cast and a lot of these brands just in talks, they always say how streaming doesn't really matter to them because they're such a small platform, like streaming and fishing is so small. It's not Netflix. It's not HBO. It's not like these big stream platforms. 
So right. once again, I set a milestone that I wanted to hit, which we hit, and will be the first kayak fishing show ever on Discovery Plus next year, um, which is 22 nice. subscribers, dude. Like it's, it's totally surreal. We have no idea how many viewers we'll have out of this 22 million subscribers because it's our first time doing it. But with the first kayak fishing show ever on a mainstream streaming platform, especially on that platform. Um, so next year we'll be on Discovery Channel for all 12 episodes, and then we'll have all 12 on streaming on Discovery Plus, which is going to be so big for the sport. That'll give us so much exposure to people who don't watch fishing ever, or who've never even seen fishing kayaks. Like, you know, outside of our bubble, it's hard to believe people don't know these kayaks exist, but they really don't. And when they see them, and they see me teaching someone how to fish for the first time, it's going to be really cool. Like they're going to be able to see this so differently. And I think that we're going to have so many big national brands that are going to look at our sport and go, wait a minute. Like this is on discovery channel, discovery plus Emmy nominated. Like there's all these big accolades for it. There's something there's obviously an audience, like there's something there and they're going to want to get involved. And that's when our sport yeah. at that extra big growth that I was talking about earlier that I think we're missing is we have some really great anglers in this sport. Like there's some anglers in the sport that I would put up with some of the biggest bass boat fishermen I've ever heard of. And, Absolutely. and not just in fishing abilities, but in personalities and marketability and the things that actually matter in promotions, you know, like not just how good you are. There's plenty of fishermen that are amazing that we'll never hear of, um, but right. the marketable ones. And there's so many people that have so much to offer. Man, if we can make that spotlight bright enough where these brands like Pepsi and all Mountain Dew and all Gatorade, they come in and go, hey, we want to put a lot of like, you know, 30% of our budget. Like we want to put like half a million dollars into kayak fishing. Think of how many people are going to benefit from that. You know what I mean? Like how many podcasts, oh, are huge. Like how many anglers will get that stage? So it was so important to me to be able to, especially like, I didn't care who did it. I just wanted it done. I wanted someone to have the kayak fishing spotlight on discovery or on like these big networks. The fact that I, we got lucky mm -hmm. to be able to do it is just absolutely mind blowing to me. Like I still like, I can't believe it. Like I haven't even announced discovery plus this is the first time uh, because I just mm -hmm. signed a contract a week ago and I've been so hesitant to announce it publicly because it just seems like I almost like, I don't want to jinx it. Cause it just seems so weird. Like I can't believe that discovery plus, like I said, 22 million subscribers, like, awesome. you know what I mean? Like either way. So that's, that's another huge thing in the pipeline. Um, some of the episodes I'm not allowed to talk about yet that we're filming for next year are at a whole new level um, from anything we've ever done too. like things that, like if I told you, like I could tell you off camera, but I can't publicly announce some of the things we're filming. But if I told you things like that I'm able to do because of the show, like that are coming up, it's like, wait a minute, you get to do that? Like I'm shocked that I get to do stuff. So the next year is going to be amazing. It's going to be such a big year for us. Like I said, we're, we're projecting 10 million impressions. We'll probably blow past that with Discovery Plus being added mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're on a... This is all the places that we air our show. Um, like we're on so many platforms right now, um, mm -hmm. and just and it's growing. So in the children's book, we sold out of our first printing in three weeks. Um, we're on our second awesome. printing right now, and I think we have like thirty-five copies left. And then book two is coming out in a month, and you know that I'm assuming that's going to sell out really quick for Christmas. So we're going to probably get a second printing order ahead of time. Um, you know, it just we're relaunching the board game next year again. Um, I mean, there's just so much going on next year. Uh, that I feel like is going to not just benefit me, but like I said, rise in the tide so all ships rise. And mm -hmm. I'm super honored and lucky that I get to like be a part of this whole thing. You know, that like the sport welcomed me enough to make me so passionate so fast that I could put 125% of all that I have into it so we could try to make something happen. 
and hopefully inspire more people to do it too. Like I want to see more kayak fishing shows. I want to see more people trying to do it better than I have and hopefully easier than I've done it too. Like hopefully I've helped make some stepping stones so people don't have to go through some of the bad stuff I went through. Um, but it'd be cool to see five or six kayak fishing shows on Discovery Channel because that way there's options and there's variety and there's, you know, a little bit of healthy competition too, which I love. So it motivates people to step it up and like evolve and do more. And, and I see it happening. Like, you know, a good friend of mine, James, Jameson Redding, I know you guys know him really well too. Uh, Jameson's new show is cool as heck, man. And I, and I like, we had a really good talk at iCast and, and again on the phone not too long ago about like, mm -hmm. it's just so cool he's doing that. I was like, dude, you're perfect for it. Like, I love what you're doing. Oh yeah. Like, and it's funny how some people in this industry see competition where we, people like me and Jameson see opportunity where we're like, Hey yeah. man, what we're doing is so opposite from each other, but we're in the same realm. Like you're putting a huge spotlight on our show or on our sport. I mean, and I'm putting a huge spotlight on our, on our sport and we're going to build this mm -hmm. up so more people can do this with us. Like we both, Jameson is such a cool dude, man. Like anybody who's watching Whoa, this, who doesn't know, absolutely. like he's one of the most genuine, cool people. Like, Within five minutes of meeting the guy the first time, I trusted him. It was weird, but I was just like, he's like the most honest. Who has that ability? Dude, it's the beard. I swear, it's something. He's got it. He's just got it. I mean, you just you talk about James. I mean, you can you can spend five minutes with Jameson and feel like you've known him a lifetime. And not only that, like I said, you'll you'll trust him like you've known him for a lifetime. Like he just he's so like we've talked business, we've talked personal. And like no mm -hmm. one in the industry does that because a lot of people look at people. I mean, it's a very small group of us that, you know, do what we do in this industry. And it's always mm -hmm. like they're afraid to share things like who they work with or even when yep. they're getting paid. And it's like it's so weird how open like me and Jameson can be about this stuff because we're like, what are we worried about? Like, you know, like how many millions yeah. of videos are uploaded every day to social media and YouTube and stuff like we're not competing, buddy. Like we're trying to grow this together here. And, and it's cool yeah. because we both have the same hopes. Like, I hope somebody does it better than we do. I hope somebody makes something cooler than we do so we can have something to try to, like, compete with a little bit more and be like, hey, man, like, let's try to one-up each other. Like, let's try to, like, mm -hmm. let's see how much we can grow this stuff, man. Like, yeah. how much opportunity can we give people? Because if we can put Pepsi as a big player um, or mm -hmm. someone like that, where they're like, we're, we're investing $2 million into kayak fishing, can you imagine what that would do to this small little sport? Like if someone invested cool. two million sponsorship dollars, they could spread that out to every organization that's at a national level, and it would put a hundred thousand dollars in every pot. It would put trips and vacations and sponsorship dollars, and like it would it would literally change our entire sport, our entire sport. And there's companies that I'm talking to that are literally at that level where they're like they're willing to spend hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars into this sport if they can find other avenues. And it's like as we grow and give that opportunity by you know developing our brands and growing our podcasts and growing our presence and growing our personalities. Like the more we all build that brand of ourselves and, and what we're trying to accomplish in our groups, whatever our tournament trails, mm -hmm. we're giving those outlets to these brands. So when they come looking, we have them, you know what I mean? That's why it's important that, you know, Hobie has their series and um, you know, the river series and the kayak series, like all these other series come into play for tournaments. It's important that we have as many of those at the highest level we can. Because when these brands come in here, we need to have the anglers that are marketable, that are talented. We need to have the tournament trails that are successful and people show up to. We need to have the podcasts that people are listening to and downloading. Like we all need to build that up so that's ready. The infrastructure is ready because these companies are coming. And when they come and they see what we can do and how passionate we are about the sport, like holy mm -hmm. crap, the opportunities we could have. You know what I mean? Like, and it could be anybody. It could be like 
like the person I looked up to the most in the sport, who was like my mentor, was Robert Field. And mm-hmm. that dude yep. gave me so much great advice. And he also showed me what not to do a lot of times too, which is great. Like I learned so much from that guy. And uh, yep. he helped me so much. Like I can't, I'll never stop crediting that guy for, for helping me out. Uh, he would spend so much time telling me what I did wrong in videos all the time, which was great. And he's like, hey man, mm-hmm. one in a hundred will actually listen to me and do something good. I hope that's you. Cause I'm, I'm giving you like 10 page reviews on your videos. And you know, we, we laugh about that now. Cause he's like, I never thought you'd actually go that far, you know, but like, we have to build each other up because we yeah. need we need more Jameson Reddings. We need more Mike McKinstries and Robert Fields. And, you know, we, we need more people to be ready because, man, that growth is going to be so cool if we can do it right. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot. And, you know, how do we get non-indentance, you know, companies outside the industry is involved in the industry because it's only going to help grow what we all love it's going to help it stick around it's going to help it make a bigger impact as far as conservation or getting people involved or you know more outlets for us all to to use you know waterways and and different things and you know i think you laid a pretty good groundwork for a lot of that well i only have this opportunity because other people have too you know what i mean like nobody could ever like if you wanted to start your own kayak fishing show you couldn't follow my footsteps you could walk the same path that I walked, but you would have to make your own footsteps because everyone has their own thing, their own way to do it. And, you know, so it's like someone else cut down some trees for me so I could at least make a path. Um, and I'm hoping just to at least do the same thing where I'm like, I, I can't do it for anybody. There's no book on how to do this. If you follow the exact format that I did and everything I did, you probably won't succeed because I barely succeeded doing it too. Um, and, it, and it took a very specific Thing, you know what I mean? Like your own personality might be able to do it better than me. So don't follow my path, like find a better one, you know? Um, but I feel like the people who did it before me and that still do it today and the up and coming ones are all making paths from for me. You know, everybody in the world knows something you don't, you don't know. And it's important to try to learn what that is because, you know, copying somebody, doing the exact same thing as someone else is theft. It's stealing someone else's idea. But learning the most you can from everybody you meet, that's called research. You know what I mean? So I think it's important that everyone takes a little bit away from everybody, whether it's good or bad, like learn what to do, learn what not to do. Just like I mentioned how like getting in a fight, like you learn, oh, I got punched when I did that, don't do that. Or, hey, when I did that, I dodged it and I took this guy down, like do that. You know, like you learn a lot by the successes and the failures of others. It's really important to like get around as many people as you can, learn from everybody you can and, and take all of like the negativity that comes your way and all the obstacles and struggles and take that that anger and that that depression or the anxiety take that and make that positive energy and say this is i put energy into crying about it or energy into fixing this which one is going to make a better outcome so i'm going to put the energy into fixing right. this just always that propel like you go to a river it never runs backwards you know what i mean a river always evolves finds a way to flow you can't make it run backwards and and that's really important that people remember that when they're chasing anything they're passionate about is that you got to be a river. You got to be like water. You got to flow. You have to evolve. You have to find a way. If you put a rock in a river, does it stop the river? No, it finds a way around it as fast as possible. It keeps on moving. Um, so I'll preach that till my face is blue because it's so important that people realize that, that no matter how dark it gets, like th- there's light being shined somewhere. You just got to find a way around it to find a light. You know, it's just, it's so important. Yeah. That, 
spot on, man. I didn't mean to get preachy. I'm sorry. <laughs> like no. you gotta understand too. Like I'm so passionate about what I do. I, I do this 18 hours a day some days. Like I don't sleep often. I work all night when everything gets quiet. Um, but like at the same time, like I got into the sport at a time where I was having like such bad depression issues and um, you know, like, I was at the bottom, like I got divorced and I just like, I just had this weird moment where I was like, I, I was ready to give up. I was done. And I was like, man, but then like kayak fishing came around the same time. So like I related my experiences in kayak fishing and my revelations that I had of being peaceful and being, being able to like clear my mind and have like everything get quiet on the water. Like that's what kind of like started me off. So I'm so passionate about this stuff, but I'm also so passionate about making sure people realize that when things do get that dark, there are things like kayak fishing or like bow hunting or like, you know, whatever, whatever you're passionate about, there's things that can pull you out of it no matter what. And it takes nothing. It takes someone giving me dry clothes and a fish finder battery in a tournament when I flipped over to change my entire perspective on everything I'm doing the rest of my life. So it's like you never know when that little small pebble in the, in the water makes the biggest ripple in the world to somebody. So it's so important that you just you hold on until that light comes. doesn't matter how bad it gets, how tough it gets, how many views you have, or how many milestones you don't hit. It's, it's important to find that energy just to keep on moving forward and, and be like water, you know, get around that rock. It's a Bruce Lee quote, by the way, to be like water. I love that quote so much. I have a, uh, I have a wave tattoo on my wrist right here with an arrow going forward um, because of that saying, actually, to be like water and always move forward. Jesse says your passion is contagious, sir. <laughs> you know what's funny is I get people always tell me, they're like, they're like, they're like, were you a preacher in a past life? I'm like, no, 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 I don't preach like that. Like, I, I'm just so passionate about like, like, Imagine like a lot of people have been through this. We all, everyone's got struggles. You know what I mean? Like everybody, hey, everybody. has battle every single day. Like I don't drink. And, uh, well, I mean, once every like three or four months, I'll have a drink, I guess. But like, I haven't been drunk in 30 years, 20 years or how old am I? 20, 19 years. Um, like I'm very weird about alcohol. So, um, I like being in control of my mental state the best I can is why. But when I got divorced, mm -hmm. I spent a week drinking a bottle a day. Like I was done. Like I was at such a low point of my life. I shouldn't say I've been drunk in 19 years because I guess that counts, but my was just like, I wrote that off as it wasn't me and it didn't happen kind of thing. Um, but like, I literally was so close to giving up where it was like, like I tried giving up. Like I did, I, like, I can't believe who I was in that time in my life. And the only thing, like literally the only thing, it wasn't friends, it wasn't family, it wasn't, it was my dog and it was kayak fishing and it wasn't catching fish. It was literally, like I said before, I can't tell you one fish that I caught in those moments in my life life but i can tell you what lake i went to that day i can tell you what phone conversation i had while i was on the water i can tell you like what it felt like what it smelled like like i can remember being on the water during those moments of my life but that's it and that's how i knew that that was so important and you know i used to do heroes on the water stuff i used to take a lot of disabled people and pe people with ptsd on the water um i do a lot of veterans episodes um and, and it's funny seeing like someone who's so like on land they're so like you know there's so much going on and they're so chaotic and there's all this like 25 million directions coming at you and your anxiety and depression and stress and your marriage and all these things but when you get in that kayak and you get on that water and you're just like you hear the water hitting the kayak you see wildlife being not disturbed you're in a river where there's like beaver dams that have been untouched like you're it's just like everything just goes you know what i mean and it's just like this most oh, amazing yeah like and you don't have to like fishing. You don't have to like kayak fishing. But like people who I've had on my show who don't like kayak fishing, like they'll be honest with me and tell me. But they came out. They're like, man, 
I want one of these kayaks. Like, I don't want to fish. Yeah. Like, I don't really care about like showing often, but like, this is amazing. Like, this is so peaceful. And it's like, that's what I try to tell people. So when people are like, your passion is contagious. I'm like, jump in a kayak and tell me it's not, you know, jump in, like find your most depressed day. And then you go out that day. You, I don't care if it's raining. I don't care what it is. You get outside, you get in a kayak and you drift. And you tell me that you didn't just find the most relaxing thing you've ever done in your life. Like you tell me that your mind isn't completely changed. You know what I mean? Even being, even being a total fish head, man. And like, you know, just pushing it, pushing it, pushing it all the time. I mean, there's still days when, you know, the day's kind of nearing its end or there's just a spot in the day where it's just like this chill moment where it's like, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Just, I mean, you just relax for just a minute. I hate being cliche, but I always tell people it's not about, it's not about um, the fish that you put back. It's about the memories you, that you keep with you. And I also always say mm-hmm. that it's not called fishing. It's called, or it's not called catching. It's called fishing. Uh, and I always say that and people always like, ha ha, like cheesy one liner. I'm like, no, but it, like as cheesy as that is, like, it's so true. Like, like, I, like this worm company I was talking to today, me and the owner were having this conversation about worms, I guess. And I was weird. Like, uh, and we were talking about like, like, it's not about worms. It's about like the worms allow you to have memories with your grandpa or with your dad, you know, just like the weirdest mm-hmm. like thing that people don't think about. And it's like, I feel like it's what fishing is in general or hunting even like I never hunted deer in my life. Um, but I went hunting with my dad all the time when I was a kid. I just never hunted myself. And those are some of the best memories I have with my dad because we didn't do a lot together. Uh, that wasn't like him going to my hockey games or like me watching him play baseball. Like it wasn't like we didn't have things together. But I'm like mm-hmm. sitting in the deer blind with him for five hours and never seen the deer was awesome. Like, you know what I mean? Like you never realize what those memories can mean or what they can do until way later on in life. So why not make them? You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't matter if I caught a fish with my dad or not. The fact that we went fishing together one time when I, as an adult was so meaningful to me. It was just a bonus mm-hmm. that he caught a big bass that day. It was just like, I could have never caught a fish for the rest of the month and I would have been fine as long as I saw my dad catch that big fish. But the fact that I got to share that with him alone was cool. So it, it, it's just one of those things that it's got to get out there and do it, man. And it just changes your perspective on life. And it sounds so cliche to say that, like, to be so dramatic, I guess, about it, saying that fishing could change your life. But just getting out in nature, we just don't do that as a society anymore. Like we're all glued on our phones on TikTok and Instagram and I'm guilty of it. I'm on my phone eight hours a day. I get it. But like, you know, getting outside and just hearing the wind, you know, hearing the water slap a kayak, reaching next to you three inches below you and feeling water run through your fingers. Like, it's just like the weirdest thing what it does to your brain, especially as an adult. Like you just look back and go, man, all those things that were so big weren't big. Like all those things that were so scary weren't scary. Like this is like you know i'm breathing right now like some people are at their work at their jobs hating life right now like regretting ever taking that job they can't wait till the clock strikes five to go home i'm drifting on a lake right now at three o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday you know what i mean like how could i ever be stressed like how big are Mm -hmm. my problems really like somebody didn't wake up this morning that that expected to wake up and i'm floating on a river you know what i mean like so like people like when you put things in perspective man like there's Things that you can do you could stand outside and just listen to the wind sometimes and just feel at peace and be like all right i feel better now back to work you know so yeah. either i can do this i apologize i, I over talk no you're no you're good it's so I'm just gonna good. add to it i mean the morning after we set camp on day three of our our elk hunt we were sitting on the side of a mountain stream filtering water at almost twelve thousand feet and one of my hunting partners so cool. he's 
he said, dude, this water tastes incredible. I said, think about how many people in their lifetime will never taste that water that you're drinking right mm. now. Or fresh water at all, or never see, you know what I mean? Like there's like, I like, again, I hate to sound so cliche, but like there's people who aren't eating right now and we're sitting here on a podcast. You know what yeah. I mean? Like we're yeah. sitting in, in, you know, at least in my area, air conditioned home cause it's 85 degrees out today. And there's people who don't have air conditioning. Like, like, mm-hmm. I don't talk about this publicly often because I don't want people to think I'm talking about it publicly on purpose, but there's people I help out on Facebook, like constantly, like, uh, con- like all the time, like weekly, uh, who I see make posts about not being able to afford baby formula or not be able to afford diapers or they can't pay rent this month. And I literally will sell fishing gear if I have to, to get money right away to help somebody. Cause I don't have a whole lot of money either. And uh, mm-hmm. I'll do whatever I can. Like I'll, I'll use my credit cards and rack up debt to help other people. And I, I, I just want to do whatever I can to get them out of it because I realize that, like I'm not rich by any means. I don't have a, I don't have a pile of money somewhere, but I'm pretty blessed. Like I get to do what I love for a living, and I have a house, and I have a car, and uh, you know I have a family that is there for me if I needed them. Like a lot of people don't have any of those things that would do anything in the world for a pair of shoes. I took a guy out to buy a pair of shoes like two weeks ago. He picked out a fifteen dollar pair of shoes. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like I'll buy you some boots. Like get some. Like this is ridiculous. So he buys, no matter what I said, he buys two pairs of the $20 shoes. That was his compromise. I was like, oh my gosh, man. Like, I like I feel so dumb saying this, but like, I wouldn't wear $20 shoes because I know they would last me a month. Like, I wouldn't do that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm wearing like, you know, collector edition Nike Air Maxes. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like such a jerk. Like, why should I be so lucky? So it's like people don't get to try, taste water like that clear. People don't get to drink water at all sometimes. People don't get to see the mm-hmm. nature or you got to hunt elk like you know how cool is that like i've never even seen an elk in real life like how cool is that like oh yeah i would love to see an elk they look scary as heck moose look scared moose scare the crap out of me like i played hockey in canada yeah. we used to always tell me like of moose run-ins where they, they like run faster than your car and they like they chase you um and if you get hit by one you're dead like they're just completely like they're so big and uh i never yeah. have you seen moose have you ever hunted moose yeah, it's on the list. Dude, can you imagine? Like those things are scary. Like elk are pretty scary, aren't they? Like, do elk come at you? No, I mean, unless you're one of the, unless you're one of the goons in Yellowstone that like, you know, try and walk up to a running bull or yeah, running bull or something like that. Like treat them like wild animal. Yeah, give them the respect they deserve. Um, Yeah, I know a buddy of mine just killed a giant moose in Alaska a couple weeks ago. They're just unreal huge i think 453 pounds of meat or something like that oh my gosh like how do you 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 can't like you can't feel dress a moose right i mean like i mean you do what's called the gutless method so basically from the work from the outside in and okay 50 pounds of meat (laughs) i mean a quarter at a time you put it in your backpack and carry it out Mm -hmm. can you imagine your pickup point like the visual of being on the side of a mountain with fresh running, running like glacier water, like this beautiful thing. You you shoot like a beautiful elk or a moose or something like gorgeous animal that's four or five hundred pounds, and then you're like, mm-hmm. all right, well now I got to figure out how to get this thing back to camp or back to base. It's like fifteen trips of just like heavy ass smelly or sorry, I didn't swear, heavy smelly meat. You know what I mean? Like, yep. It great. But yeah, I mean, the, the worst part is it's usually at two or three in the morning and you're usually hiking through blowdowns in the dark. And yeah, oh there's, gosh. 
That's no uh, that's what we, no that's what we like to call type two fun. Oh yeah, bears too. I didn't think about that part. Like there's other wildlife that could kill you. Like, black bears, black bears, no big deal. You know, <laughs> mine would be mine would be way more modest. It was just the other night. You know, we got done wrapping up at the lake and. We had, we'd been doing some camera stuff and it was like, you're driving home and the bean fields out here and the sun's just setting. It's like, how freaking cool is it that we get to do this? How freaking cool is it? You know, it, it, you know what it, it is. Awesome. And even if it's not your job, if it's just something you get to do, yeah. fun, like the yeah. opportunities that, you know, and it's funny because I know people that are like completely dead broke, like can't afford to go grocery shopping most of the time, like very broke. Mm-hmm. But they have hobbies like nature walks and stuff like that where they're like, oh, man, like it's so cool. And like they're so happy they get to do these opportunities. I'm like money doesn't like I, have, I and this is the last thing I'll get on here before we'll, we'll get off here. I promise. And I, uh, like money doesn't really buy happiness, but it, buy, it can buy peace. Like, and I, I believe that and I agree with that 100 percent. Like you don't need mm-hmm. to be happy or you don't need to have anything to be happy. Um, but you need to have money to have peace sometimes because you you're not really at peace if you're struggling. Um, and money can buy some pretty cool stuff too, obviously. Um, but uh, money can buy fishing rods and hunting gear, right? Um, 100%. But, but the funny part is, is like the stuff that people get to do if they just apply themselves to do it. Like, what's stopping anybody? It doesn't matter what situation you're in in life. What's stopping you from walking outside and just going to find the woods and going through a nature camp or a walk or uh, going camping or hiking? Like, it causes nothing. There, you don't you have to have any ability you can just go and just sit by a river for free and have no athletic ability and no money it doesn't take anything but making yourself go seek adventure and that's what my book series is all about is trying new things and meeting new people that's what my show is all about it's about sharing what you're passionate about and learning what other people are passionate about too and it's all about what i do in my free time which is work with kids work with animals spend time with you know my small little circle and just play music, like the things that just make me happy, go to the batting cages, go to the driving range, like go to the gun range, like the things that are just like the things that bring you peace. Like it's all like, it's just all the easy. It's all there. You know what I mean? You just have to apply mm-hmm. yourself and you have to force yourself to not let the negativity ever hold you down. You can never let yeah. any negative win. You have to be like, I'll show you negativity. You know, you have to have a mentality and <laughs> everything you do, or you just sit there freaking out all day. You know, it's like, it's why I don't watch, I don't watch cable TV. Like I don't watch my own show. I don't watch cable TV. I have cable TV because I watch hockey. I watch sports. Um, but I don't watch like cable TV like shows because I just, or I don't want to watch news. I don't want to watch media. Like I just don't want to like, I don't want the stressors because like I have enough and I try to bypass mm-hmm. that all day. I just want to do the fun stuff now. Like I'm almost 40. Like, you know, I I've done my crazy stuff. I've done some stupid stuff. Now I just want to I want to do the things that bring people happiness and that inspire people to do other cool stuff too. You know, that's why I love doing these interviews. Cause I like just sharing that a lot. And it's funny how many people watch these or listen to these. And then one person might be inspired or impacted by it. And that's like, okay, that's worth it. I'll spend as much yeah. time as I can saying whatever I got to yeah. say to let people know, like one person and be like, you know what, maybe it's not that bad, you know, and it's worth it. Yeah. That's, a thousand percent why we're here and and that's kind of why we got into this idea our concept of we just wanted to share people's cool stories our, our joke and our catchphrase i guess was we're the orion podcast the cooler podcast telling even cooler stories but it's it's really just a, you we've met just so many 
cool people and got to hear just like yours very cool stories and, and the different things that go on sometimes like tonight an hour is not enough an hour is not enough two hours is probably not enough to keep us going um so the real question is we come back absolutely so if, if, if you if you are willing to have another uh, another run where we do an hour and 45 minutes <laughs> or so then because uh, i will warn you and I, I every interview i've ever done whether it's tv magazines whatever I always warn people, I will talk until you pretty much force me not to because I I love talking about the stuff. I love sharing it. And like I said, I'll, I'll talk for hours if I know that one person will be inspired from it or impacted by it in a, in a positive way. Or it might just remind people that, you know, my whole theory of just shining light on things to get away darkness because mm -hmm. the only thing that benefits darkness is evil. You know what I mean? Like. It, 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 it's not a religious thing. It's just like a, a thing where like, I know where my mind goes, like an idle mind is a devil's playground. Um, I know, I know what darkness can make people do to themselves or others. And I also know what seeing that, that light or the positivity, I guess, can do for people. I, I've been on both sides of it. So um, yeah, yeah I, I'd love to come back, man. It's so great how much you let your guests talk to, because like, I always feel bad. That I don't have to talk. It's and, like, your, this, we are host. This is your show. It's what just, it's just cool. Hearing us talk, yeah, but like, it's, but like at the same time, it's funny because like we could go another hour and a half because like I want to hear your guys' stories too. Like I want to like, like you guys like next time I come back, let's split 50-50 on this because I really want to hear like individually. Like I would love to hear what made you guys passionate about everything that you do too because that's what drives me to do my show. Is like I get so, like we're doing a haunted house episode. I spent three and a half hours talking to the haunted house guy about how he got started and why he's so passionate and like all the other hobbies he has. Like, it was just cool to me. Like, I, I just, I really feed off people like that. So like, I'd love to hear you guys' stories on it for sure. It's, it's funny you mentioned the haunted house guy. Cause anytime we drive some anywhere we're going and we see a, how a random house that is like overly decorated with Halloween decorations and like giant skeletons. And I'm always like, what put them on the path? to decorate their house more intensely for Halloween than most people do for Christmas. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, oh. You just wonder what makes face... those folks tick. <laughs> I've had a Facebook marketplace by that my wife will have to tell you about sometime, Zach. <laughs> like she had a ghost. I'm sure I'll hear about it next weekend. <laughs> yeah, it was the whole inside of the house was decorated for Halloween 24-7. Oh, um, yeah. I've seen Halloween-themed weddings, and that's like, that. I was that, I'm always like, hmm. Like, looking back at your pictures 30 or 40 years later, like, is that, like, eh. I feel like if they're that committed to Halloween, though, like, it's probably a lifelong journey, so. You'd think, but at the same time, like, <laughs> I was obsessed with Marilyn Manson and corn when I was, like, you know, 14. Like, thank <laughs> God. Like, I wore Janko jeans when I was in middle school, and I'm not proud of it. I had action washed purple jeans, cross-collar shirts. Like, you know, Mike, looking you back at the thing, I had steps. Spirit animal. I had steps cut in my hair. Because Vanilla Ice did, so I did too. Yeah. yeah. Um, welcome to the welcome to the nineties. I went to the New Kids on the Block concert. Just saying. I didn't go there. My wife did. Uh, Seth Inslow, bars on dirt bike too. Vanilla Ice. We're like brothers from a faraway <laughs> world. Um, yeah. God, you know, I'm a nineties kid, and like I've been like I'm the weirdest dude. Like I used to read Goosebumps books cover to cover all night when I was a kid. Like I wouldn't go to sleep. I would just read those cover to cover every night. And like, it just, I was always just like, I don't know. I've always been into like, I can recite almost every comedy movie like by heart too. Like I, I'm always been into like, 
I, I like learning stories about people. So I like movies a whole lot. I read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. Like I have a room full of books here from the 1800s to the 1900s, a whole World War II collection of books. I've read almost everything in this room. Like I love like hearing stories about stuff like that. Um, and I, I have a lot of business books from like the 20s because hearing how people conducted business in like the 1920s just fascinates me for some reason. Like the jargon they used even and like the way that you were just like, here's how you treat people. Like here's the proper way to treat people. Like it's a whole section mm-hmm. in this book. It's actually a book right there called 20 Years of Hustling. Um, but like there's like some of the coolest stuff you can learn about stuff like that. So like, yeah, I nerd out over that kind of stuff. But but yeah, I've always been weird about 90s. 90s were like, I overdid the 90s. Like overdid it. Like I have a picture of me wearing purple jeans and a backwards t-shirt. I had red jeans. Because <laughs> that was the thing for a hot minute. And my red? wife will not let that go, man. Like what year are we talking though? Like... <laughs> Gosh, it would have been 93, 4. How, how old are you? I'm 43. Okay. Just so turned 43. Okay, so you're three years old. So we're the same generation. You're three years old. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's probably, understandable. Yeah, it's probably, you're probably talking 92 to 94. Somewhere in there was like the colored jeans phase. Maybe 90. Yeah. Uh, 90 I don't know if this brings a bell, but I had Jabot jeans because I felt like it made me somebody. Mm-hmm. So I had Jabot yeah. purple stonewashed jeans, but they were elastic cuffs on the bottom because uh, that was mm-hmm. the way you did it. 90s, yeah. Uh-huh. You know what's funny, too, know. is like a lot of these kids nowadays are bringing the 90s back, but they look like, they look like homeless people from the 90s instead. But uh, yeah. I always laugh about it. I'm like, you're wearing that thinking like that was cool in the 90s. It wasn't cool in the 90s, but the stuff that we wore that was cool in the 90s wasn't cool either. Like it looks terrible. Like. It, it just—it's yeah. hilarious. The, like '90s is one of those. It's like the '70s. Like it's one of those styles where, like, I look back and I lived it, and I'm like, man, that is embarrassing. Like, I don't care how old you were, you looked like you were like 35 on your third divorce in the '90s. Like, it was like the big puffy jackets, the perms, <laughs> the big rimmed glasses, yeah, starter coats, yeah, like oh, yeah. the big starter jackets, the big puffy ones. Yeah. yeah, like you looked like you were so old. And, like the women, like had big hair and hoop earrings and overdone makeup, like glamour shots and like big waterfall like brows. Like it was just like everyone looked old. Like it was, yeah. the, it was like Samuel L. Jackson syndrome, where no matter what age they were, you just looked old. And it's like it just cracks me up, like it, like mustaches, like all the parents looked like creepy real estate agents, like they all had mustaches, like it was such a weird era to like bring back thinking it was cool because I'm like it's it's not, like, it wasn't that. It may cool. have been Zach that sent this to me the other day. It was a comedian that was talking about the '90s, and it was all the kids that are today wearing champion stuff because it's cool. It wasn't it was cool. Medium- it wasn't cool. And then we didn't have enough money like, to buy the good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Champion was like, that's why I said it looked like homeless people from the 90s. Like, it's the weirdest thing. Yeah. Like, they're wearing, like, the white, like, New Balances. Like, it was cool. I'm like, those weren't, I promise you. Like, no. anyone who's from right. the 90s know that the white shoes that were cool were K-Swisses. And those aren't what's cool now. Like, the, mm-hmm. like, the only white shoe that was popular before Air Force Ones and everything was the K-Swiss shoes. And that was, like, you mm-hmm. were that certain kind of kid. Like, you wore Jordans. You had like a chin strap uh, beard. You wore a visor mm-hmm. with frosted tips most of the time. Still do. You didn't really overdo it. You drove a Grand Dam <laughs> or a Beretta. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> there was such a stereotype for that type of person, and no yeah. one yeah. that back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And gosh, Champion. That was that was the funny thing. Yeah, I I have to tell my daughter that Champion was not cool. It was How like old's your daughter? You got the she is uh, gosh twenty three now 
So she's in that, yeah. So she's in that generation where it's like, I wear champion everything and it's cool. And it's like, it's you're paying yeah. 50 bucks for a sweatshirt that we would have paid seven dollars for and we wouldn't have wanted to buy it. Like, it would have been like, <laughs> no, we would have been mad because <laughs> we got it exactly. Like, the champion logo was the smallest thing on the whole thing because we didn't want to show it off, you know. It was just, it, it's oh, so yeah. funny how that works. And nowadays, like, you know, what was cool? Like, what was the biggest athletic brand back then? Do you remember? Oh, gosh. Well, Nike's always been the big because it was Air Jordan. Nike was always the big dog. Had, Reebok, but, Reebok was pretty high. Reebok was uh, bigger. Reebok. I was about to say Reebok and Adidas, I feel like, were the two bigger yeah. ones. And Puma got – actually, Puma had a lot of love then, too. But either way, like, yeah. those those three brands even aren't the ones that are bringing back – now. like, those aren't, like, what people think was popular in the 90s. They're bringing, like, Nike, which was, like you said, always popular, but Nike wasn't, like – at least in my circles, it wasn't as widely popular. Like, Reebok was huge. Like – the mm-hmm. pump Reebok shoes were so iconic, and, and they're bringing those back. They're I, bringing back like the originals. That's cool, and like they're making adult lighted shoes, which is cool. Like some stuff was cool. Like they're doing some stuff that's yes. cool. But like, it's funny that the kid now are bringing back the stuff that we looked at back then and laughed at, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so cool now." I'm like, "Man, like the brands that were cool back then, you have no idea. Like, like you have no idea how cool like those ones. Like I would still rock that gear if I could get it now. Yeah. They just don't make it, you know. Like British Nike." If I had the cool stuff back then, it probably came from a yard sale somewhere, yeah. <laughs> or or as a as a hand me down from someone else in the family that was bigger than me. A hundred percent. One, the one that I've seen coming back, and it's an it's actually a a knockoff because the real brand doesn't exist anymore. Is the hyper color shirts? Do you remember those? The shirts that like if you touched them. The it color was, chain. So it was Gecko was the brand who did the shirts and the shorts. Gecko yeah. was the one that did that you touch. But then remember Surf Style? Surf Style was yeah. the ones that didn't change if you touched them, but if you like it was like the chameleon color kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that. Hypercolor was a yeah. sweatshirt. Hypercolor was a sweatshirt, and they're coming back now. I'm just waiting for bum equipment to come back. Oh my gosh. It was a shirt that would change as it heated up, but you know, with your body heat. That's the one I had. Mm-hmm. You know what's funny too? Yeah. So think about this, and, and and we'll wrap it up on this. I promise. I keep on saying that, but it's like it's like last cast. Like Everybody's like, last where last did this podcast go? Like, how it long did last cast really last? You know what I mean? So right. like, oh, yeah. we're just as doing last cast. So, uh, but that's a funny thing too. Think about fishing in the '90s. Like, so I, I actually just had this conversation today. So if you think about fishing, like I was pretty big into doing it on the side, like fishing my on my own in the, in the 90s. But I remember mm-hmm. the Bill Dance Terminator baits. Like, I remember, like, mm-hmm. um, the crawler harnesses were so big. The banjo minnow. By the way, I found my cassette tape for the banjo minnow set. I watched it recently, and it's absolutely amazing. It is so funny. It's the cheesiest. It's the worst tape, but it's so good at the same. Like, it's so good. Um, but yeah. So, like, banjo minnows, like, it was, like, the 90s for fishing, actually a lot of sports, it was very gimmicky. Like, I'm a huge hockey fan, so, like, in the 90s, they had, like, the skate wraps for Nike, because Fedorov wore them, so it was, like, a big thing. Um, Like, Mm -hmm. it was very gimmicky. Like, um, football, there was, like, even basketball, there was, like, sweatbands, and, like, you know, there was a lot of gimmicky stuff to sports, but fishing was one of those things where it wasn't mainstream. It was like it was still yeah. so underground. Like fishing was still such a small thing in the early nineties. No, like Bill Dance was the first person to do a bass fishing tournament, and it was in the eighties. You know, it wasn't that far back. You know, like look at mm-hmm. Forest Wood. Like those guys, that was the eighties. Like, so it, it's yeah. so crazy to me. Those guys, by the way, the top five fishermen in the country, like in the two thousands, was also the top five fishermen in the eighties and nineties as well. That's how our sport mm-hmm. hasn't evolved even past that yet. 
like there's the, the biggest names were the biggest names in the beginning and they're still the biggest names now it's how young we are um but if mm -hmm. you think about how fishing evolved from 90s to 2000s then think about the last five years the last five mm -hmm. years we had technology sonar like live cams all this stuff like that um we've had uh the fishing uh gear technology is just ridiculous like look at like the abu xenon stuff like it's the lightest craziest stuff but blows my mind like they've evolved more in the last five years than we have in 25 30 years and that's what I think is is bringing up this new evolution of anglers and, and opportunities is that the last five years we have YouTube fishing like think about when the Guggen started like think about when like oh, yeah. you know all these big fishermen that were nowhere on the face of this earth they were 10 years old you know eight years ago you know what I mean yeah. so like the the opportunity like i'm telling you man my projection for this sport growing i think i'm undershooting 100 and i'm and i'm projecting high um but mm -hmm. i think i'm undershooting because like the, the the things that started in the 90s that evolved to the 2000s like 20 years of very little evolution and then the last five and it's just the same mm -hmm. way with all the stuff we're talking about from the 90s and all stuff like all the stuff's coming back but it's also getting better and evolving and being different we're on yeah. the same path and it's gonna be remarkable. I can't wait to see where we I all are in two years with this stuff. Keep in mind, in the two thousands, this will—I mean—blow a lot of kids' minds. They were—they didn't even have jerseys yet in the two thousands. They were still wearing button-down shirts on the pros. Um, yeah, it's just so I mean, on. Yeah, I didn't think about that. They were wearing vests in the early nineties. Still, remember that? Yeah, they were wearing like yeah. the vest with the patches on them. Uh -huh. yeah. I wonder. Uh, you know what? That's a good factoid. I want to learn. I'm gonna have to do some research and watch a documentary somewhere. I gotta see what like fishing the, the evolution of fishing jerseys and like uh when did, when did dye sublimation hit? Well it's not yeah. even just dye sublimation, it's like when did because even I'm sure there was a pre-jersey where it was patches. I'm sure there was but like I'm sure. I wonder when it went from when it went from jackets to vests to actual like some sort of a jersey. Like I wonder who started that or who was like who was like the the Gretzky of fishing to do that first, you know? Yeah, EJ tried to bring back the jumpsuit. It just didn't quite pan out. Yeah, that nobody jumped on board. You know, he he's one of those guys, man. Where like, how does he not have a TV show? Like, how does there, how is there not a reality show of the Jackson family at this point? Like, hey, there there's actually if you if you Google it on YouTube, there was a startup of one. There was, and I and I did see that actually, and that's what shocked me about it is the fact that well, look look what Dane's doing now. Like, how does Dane not have his yeah. own? Like, that dude is a nut job. Like that dude is like, like Eric was pretty crazy. The stuff like Dane does backflips over waterfalls, dude. Like like yeah. that dude is out of his mind. And I'm like, yeah. and that is whole, the whole family, the whole Jackson family is crazy. Like they're so talented, and it's just amazing what what they've done. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. when, when I see him in his jumpsuit, it's all I think of. I'm like, why is there not a camera behind him at all times? Like there's the stuff that comes out of that dude's mouth and out of his brain is just like, it's worthy of like, I would just, it's like the Kardashians, but like the Jacksons, like I would watch it. I would watch them have dinner. Fair. Like, Fair. Yeah. like it, it bugs me. It's an injustice to our sport that that hasn't happened. <laughs> totally agree. It's fair, dude. Thousand percent fair. I'll give you that one. You know, get, get EJ on here and be like, dude, show why, why, like what, what's going on? I, can't, I, I could probably get Emily to come on. She would probably talk about it more than any of the rest of them, but she's got her, she's got her show now. Great family adventure. So, yep. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, we're two hours in. So let's, uh, we'll wrap this up. We're going to set up another date probably 
I'll get with you here in the next couple of days. We'll set something up, um, see what your schedule looks like. And uh, yeah, we're going to do episode two. Episode two, the Squatch can continues. You know what's cool is let's do uh, let's do episode two. Uh, well, whenever you guys want, I don't really care. Well, like I'll yeah. there's a couple of podcasts that I go on like once a month sometimes just to like just because I love talking to people about stuff and it's like always fun to have good chemistry with people. But uh, on the next one, let's do a thing where we do like a, I want to have some people chime in and I want to see if we can get some people to tell us how they started doing something they're passionate about. I want to hear your guys' stories. Yeah. I want to hear some cool stuff about uh, like, is there like a, is there like an off limits category? Like can we talk about like hunting, fishing, like firearms? Whatever? No, this is, this is, yeah, this is wide open. It's Orion. That's uh, That's kind of why we put this podcast and we net dubbed it the Orion podcast over being a Jackson kayak podcast. Well, number one, so we could talk to people like yourself and, you know, it's a it's an outdoor industry as a whole. Um, we're all out there under the stars. So, you know, that's that's kind of our feel for the Orion podcast. It's we've had everything from gosh, we've talked to Olympic athletes, we've talked to um, truck building people. Uh, Yeti and Yolo were on here. I mean, we've we've talked to everybody. I mean, it's just Jameson's been on here. It's hunting. That's awesome. Well, let's let's talk about uh like. Let's talk about some other like side hobbies that we're passionate about stuff. Like let's have some fun with it next time. Yeah. Like I want to see if we get some people to comment on here about their stories too. Like let's just let's just do something cool in the next one where we kind of do like what my book does, where Seth gets to meet someone new and gets to hear about what they're passionate about all the time. And and uh and, and, and we'll talk about you know what's going on with the show. There's a lot of stuff I actually didn't share, believe it or not, as much as I talked, but there's a lot of cool stuff we've done with the show cool. that I haven't mentioned. And and uh and, and you know what, after next week or after to after the 19th of this month i'll be able to talk about some mm-hmm. of the episodes that i wasn't allowed to talk about yet too which are oh, remarkable nice. um one of them i was just we're filming tomorrow morning with that guest actually so i had to send them addresses just now because we're filming like super early tomorrow morning um but i can't talk about that until we're done filming they won't like we have a weird confidentiality thing where we can't say anything until everything's well, wrapped completely up. understand completely but uh understand. not all the episodes just this one so like i can tell you guys that we filmed monster trucks that we're filming a haunted house in two weeks that we're filming uh like i'm excited about everything we're filming but um this one specifically is very uh it's very rare people get to do what i get to do in this one and like very rare like it's the list of people who have been able to do this are very big celebrities um some politicians but that's about it like it's a cool thing that i didn't know i was like I'm blown away that I get to do this. We took like 75 pictures when we scoped out the location. And then we were told mm-hmm. afterwards that we're not allowed to share any of it yet. And it's burning me that I can't like, it's killing me that I couldn't post while I was there. Just going, look at what I'm doing. Like, I can't believe this. Um, and I've told people, like I can tell you guys after this, but I can't say it publicly, but it is like one of the coolest, like something that people don't get to do in a lifetime that I get to do. It's just incredible. So we'll do that next time. We'll be able to talk about it. Yeah. Well, tell the people where to find you. Tell the people how to to follow you on the socials and where they can stream your show and all that stuff. Yep. So yeah. uh, the easiest location is BassquatchHunter.com. Um, it's got everything. It's got our merch. You can buy the books on there. You can kind of see everything. There's little tabs on top where you can kind of navigate everything we do um, at BassquatchHunter.com. Um, now we're having some. Uh, we have a, we have a 30 day thing right now. We're with YouTube where we have a lot of our episodes on private right now. So if you go on our website, you go to see old episodes. You're not going to be able to see them on there that easily because um, I have them on private on YouTube for the next 30 days. But you can go to the Pursuit Up app, which is free on every smart TV or streaming device, um, smart device, whatever. Um, if you have a Samsung TV or a Vizio smart TV on your fast channels, which is on every TV that's from Samsung, it's a smart TV, it's free. You have free cable if you didn't know that on Samsung's. 
Um, it's called Samsung yep. TV Plus. Pursuit Channel is free on there. So you can watch all of our episodes on there. Um, Discovery Go is also a free app for Discovery. You can see our whole last episode or last season, at least, on there. Um, so you can watch it there. Um, normally YouTube, but right now all of our episodes are on private. Uh, but you can see all of our other how-to tips and vlogs and behind-the-scenes stuff on there. Instagram, TikTok, uh, everywhere. It's all under the mask, Watch Hunter. And you can see everything there. And uh, we start airing next year. I just signed the agreement. We start airing in April um, on Pursuit Channel, and we start airing in June, I believe, on Discovery, and I wrap up in September and October on both of those, respectively. So a um, lot of stuff to air. Then Discovery Plus, we don't know when it starts yet, but it will be on it next year. And there you guys have Follow me on Facebook, like personally, like Mike Facebook. on Facebook. That's like my number yeah. one. That's where I post if everything. You guys are- if you guys are looking for the link for the book, um, I dropped two comments and I dropped some comments in the um, in the chat for you guys. So go in there, pick you up, Seth Squatch. I've already bought it. I already bought it off Amazon while we were sitting here talking. Oh, I should have told you not to do that. Don't buy it on Amazon, everybody. Don't buy Amazon. it on Amazon. <laughs> buy it from the link in the bio. Amazon charges six dollars for me to sell a book on there. So every book I sell on Amazon, I lose two dollars and fifty cents. Um, and I haven't been able to fix that uh, yet. Tell you a couple bucks. They well, it's not. I don't. It's not a big deal. Um, whenever someone orders on Amazon, um, they so they change their fee structure is what killed me on it. Yeah. And I've been I've been on the phone with them multiple times trying to fix it and trying to raise my shipping and handling to counteract the new fees. And they keep on mm-hmm. automatically going back down to like some very low shipping price that's like less than it even cost me to ship it. So Amazon is tough right now. They're they they they're very difficult yeah. to. So don't buy it on Amazon. Buy it on the links that I dropped. Don't yeah, do so what I did. Seth, Even though Seth, I have to watch. But yeah, either way, you got a book coming and, and you're welcome for yeah, that. Yeah, I got a book coming. So, so the website's right there too, on the bottom. So SethSquatch.com. Yep. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we appreciate you being here. We're going to sign out for the night. So thank you, you all for watching. Hope you enjoyed the two hours. We'll get this thing uploaded tomorrow so you guys can stream it live. Or after the fact. Yeah, so... <laughs> It won't be live. Good night. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me on, guys. We'll be in the airway. Thanks for being here, man. Everybody needs a button. (laughs) Got a button. Makes it great. Make buttons great again. I want to get a 